Wait, are we doing this? Yeah, we're doing it. Maggie, Maggie is here from borderline beyond borderline and back, isn't it? Borderline and back. Yes, it is. Borderline and back. This is kind of I um I contacted Maggie last week anonymously to just do a podcast. Um just I wanted to talk about BPD, just wanted to talk about not even mentioning uh, my own podcast. And um as you you were chatting to me and you said, look, you you knew who I was. So I then did we my decided, research. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wanted to be anonymous. And then we're after deciding to just kind of do a dual podcast. So uh, we both have a clue. The only good thing we do know is we both have BPD. That is quite correct um, out of our similarities. And then outside of that, um, I think the thing that we do know about each other is what country each of us is from, from having to uh, sort yeah. through the time differences we had going on. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nearly, do you say 7.30 or half seven? We say 7.30, but I do know half seven. Yeah. I have uh, friends and family in England, so yeah, yeah. I, I get the vernacular. So you have 7.30 your time, and I have uh, 2.30 my time here in Ontario, Canada. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we, we haven't a clue how this is going to go, but I can, I can definitely say this. I've been listening to your podcast, and you're a quiet type of person who has borderline personality disorder. That is correct. I am a high-functioning, quiet subtype. And I'm a high-functioning lunatic. Um, <laughs> high-functioning <laughs> hooligan. So this is going to be great crack because, like, I was listening to your podcast. And, um, yeah, you're, you, you are the epiphany of what ye hate about me. <laughs> because I actually am extremely open in a sense of, I really am open with my mental health. Couldn't care. Who knows? Couldn't care. Like I wouldn't say that I, I hate that. Honestly, for no. me, um, you and I were, were chatting and um, uh, with where I work, um, I try and be quite pro not necessarily private, if you will. Um, but I work at a higher ed institution. Right. So I like to have a little bit of anonymity uh, based off of that. But um you're not on socials anymore because I was going to say, I did a whole thing on my podcast uh, here in Canada. We have something called Bell Let's Talk Day. That's all about talking about mental health issues. And I felt like a fraud <laughs> that I have this podcast and I don't really open up to people in my life. So I actually did like a one day ask me anything with uh, on I, my socials. I listened to that podcast. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. One day asked me, I, I, I'm not on social media. Um, yeah, I'm not on social media. I'm loving not being on social media. Um, no, it's probably so good for your mental health. Don't get me wrong. Um, it really so is. I, so I did open up about it and it was really liberating. Um, and what I said was that it's great that society's gotten to the point that we can talk about anxiety and depression pretty openly, hmm. but we don't talk about the darker side or like not darker, the more complex side, if you will, of mental health disorders. So I said, look, like I have, um, adult diagnosed ADHD. And I said, and I have something called borderline personality disorder. Like you can ask me anything and I will share any details that I have and did a little clip of what things mean. And it went really well. So yeah, yeah. I'm at the point that I can be, um, or I feel safe if you yeah. will, being more open in my everyday life about my diagnosis now. I, I, I think personally myself, 
you know, <clears throat> now don't get me wrong. I'm a high functioning um, lunatic, as I just said, but I am really high functioning. Like I'm extremely high functioning. Um, and I do often ask that question to myself. Would you be as open and honest if I didn't function as well? And I, I don't know if I'm being honest. I function really like the podcast only came about because um, Rose Skeeters from um, Borderline and Beautiful, a uh, really good podcast too. She, I love Rose. She's amazing. Yeah, she asked me to go on a podcast and just do a podcast. And I never even knew what a podcast was previous to this. And she was like, do you do your own podcast? I was like, I hadn't a clue. Like we've, we were chatting earlier on and you were asking me about my equipment and I, I haven't a clue. My, my nephew set it up and he told me, just press the on button and don't touch anything else. So, but beyond that, I hadn't a clue. But like, um, I'm after losing my train of thought. No, they, I'm after losing my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about this. I'm not gonna, I lost my train of thought. It happens. Um, talking about if you would be as open uh, with your BPD if you weren't so high functioning. Yes. And when I started the podcast, I was like, I only started the podcast, I suppose, two years this July. But I'm functioning for years. Like, so when I started functioning really well, I just like I just said, you know what? I'm not hiding behind this anymore. Like people have said to me, people are surprised I'm mentally ill. They're extremely surprised I'm mentally ill. They go, the only thing I have is my hand, which is kind of like a cool thing at the moment because like I slipped my hand, I slipped my wrist to the bone and, and my hand is completely deformed. It's like it's like a mascot at the moment. Um, <laughs> it's it's the BPD mascot for the podcast. It's a bit dirty there because I paint cars. But um, beyond that, like literally beyond my hand being deformed, you wouldn't know I was mentally ill. Um, People mask it really well. I masked it for years. Yeah, did you? Yeah. It just progressively kept getting worse and worse. And I didn't know what was going on. I knew something wasn't quite right. I didn't have the words for it. And I had switched uh, GPs a couple of times. And hmm. there were a few times I tried to talk to people in my life about what was going on in my head. Um, as well as other things that I just, I had no control over. Like I couldn't quite explain what was going on. And the looks that I got from them was like, what are you talking about? And it's like, okay, well, this isn't safe. So we're going to like back up um, and kind of re-evaluate because like, this isn't safe. And if I can't talk about it. So it wasn't until I went to my psychiatrist and I don't know how you got your diagnosis, but we go through these like booklets of forms and questions and everything you have to answer. And then a follow-up meeting, she's like, oh, you have ADHD and uh, borderline personality disorder. I was like, what the heck is that? Like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> I had never heard of BPD um, until that point, or like I had maybe heard about it in passing, um, but I had no idea what it was, but it was good getting a diagnosis. Cause like there's, there's a word. And once I have a word, there's something I can focus on and be like, it's treatable now. Like it's something, and there's a way to deal with it and manage it. And then throw yourself into it and try and work with it. And I could at least explain it to people, which was helpful. Cause I could like go on my phone and be like this, like, please, please read it. Like, I, this is the only way I can try and explain to you because I can't give it to you. But that also led to other problems because as you know, BPD presents so differently in every single person. And sadly, a lot of what you hear or read about 
on the internet until you like get deep into the academic literature is about individuals like yourself, yeah. um, the lunatics, if you will, who just yell and rage and yeah. all of that. You use the word, not me. Um, no, no, yeah, no I, I see. I put my hand up. I, I did. I did all the bold things that um, people with BPD do. Yeah. So for me, people, it would be like, uh, you don't do that. And it's like, please, like, I'm trying to educate you. Like, Mm. It's, it's not one and done. Everyone has a different experience with it. And I think that's also super important for people to understand, especially when people get diagnosed and they're trying to share it with their family members, really, or family members, friends, anything is like really trying to like get into that, that it's going to be different person to person, depending how many of the traits you actually hit at any given time, because I think it's nine technically, right. Or is it 10? There's nine, nine traits of BPD, yeah. Five for a full diagnosis. Uh, but yeah, if you're not hitting like so many different combinations, so. Oh, there's 254 yeah. different ways you can have BPD. Yeah, I was talking uh, with my friend uh, Adriana about that. We did a whole uh, sit mm-hmm. down and go through it. So it's, it's, it's a lot. And it trying is- to explain that to people, yeah. and, and, especially... And- the complexity of it or they hear the word personality disorder and then they're like oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> and trying to explain what that means like there's yeah, so many components of breaking down what all of this means there is because you, you some people actually thought i had multiple personalities i've um, gotten that i talked to my friend about that last night um because she had tuned into my ask me anything she's like when you explained it i thought you were saying that you had dissociative identity disorder I was yeah. like, okay, like I can kind of get that, but that's not what it is. I was like, there is an element of dissociation, which is a, it's a lot trying to explain to someone. Mm-hmm. I was like, but it's not like I dissociate and something else comes forward. Like, it's not like a fracture in how my brain works. That's there to yeah. protect myself. And then a whole other person comes through. I was like, I can dissociate, but it's to kind of protect myself in that moment. And I can just kind of like end up somewhere else, but I'm fairly consistent from what I understand, like when that happens and it doesn't happen for days on end. Uh, the way sometimes it can with DID. Um, But yeah, a lot of people misunderstand it. Um, But again, I guess because you are that externalizing subtype, it would make sense with how quickly things can go on and off. Absolutely. Like, and well, the best one I ever heard is I was in work one day and I was saying it, you know, I'm mentally ill or whatever. And I was trying to explain it. And my manager basically meant, so are you mad? And I went depends on the day, depends uh, on the minute. No, I like I don't kind of keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. <laughs> I'm just mentally ill, like so what does that mean? It means I'll fucking kill you if you annoy me. <laughs> okay, Mr. Hyperbole over here. I highly doubt you'd actually kill anyone. Huh? I said I highly doubt you'd actually kill anyone. No, I wouldn't. We say kill in <laughs> Ireland for everything, like your mother. Oh, we use the word kill in Ireland. It means you're going to get a beaten or it means you're uh, aware. I'll kill you. Yeah. We okay. That. The, the, the thing about the rest of the world is. They use this language. I think that's why a lot of the world suffers is they use the language. Like. Meaningfully, you know, that I instead of just kind of throwing a bit of language in there, well, get out of my face or I'll kill you. It means just go away. I'm Canadian, so we are like very much labeled as like very polite people. So that's not really something that we generally like toss out there. Um, but I'm also a very literal person. Like I have a hard time with that kind of stuff. Like 
I'm still trying to learn. I feel mm-hmm. bad for a lot of people in my life. Cause they'll be like, can you break this down for me? Like, are you serious? Are you not serious? And I think that comes down to how I relate to people interpersonally. I, I, um, I see the world in black and white and I'm very literal as well. However, I am blessed. I'm Irish because we don't use the English language as it should be used. So you need to, in Ireland, like we would speak in massive amounts of jargon that other people would not understand, but we get it. Like, like, you know, I'll give you an example. That one's a whore to go. Right. It basically means she's a hard worker. No. Oh. I mean, it is the world's oldest profession. Let's be honest. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Because um, they do work hard. Um, yeah. So in Ireland, that's what we would say. She's a whore to go, that one. Or he's a whore to go. We'd even say for him. Um, so we do. We use the language. We use the language a lot in the sense of metaphorically, you know, the type of way. We rarely would speak directly in a sense of um, how the English language should have been yeah. used. It's not our native tongue. You know, I argue the case. It's not our native tongue. It was robbed on us. So we just kind of fuck it up for everyone. Um, I like it. Go with it. Um, I want to touch on something that you just said. So you said that you see everything in black and white. Yeah. Do you have to, do you work on seeing that gray? Like, have you done any DBT or anything like that to like work on seeing uh, like the dialect and things? Or are you very much still in the black and white thinking? Love the black and white. Do not like my, my therapist spent four years trying to get me to see shades of gray. And I was saying to her going, what, are, what, 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 like, what, what are you trying to do? And she said, Sean, you need to be able to see shades of gray. I says, I paint cars. I get what shades are like. It's not broken. <laughs> Why are you trying to fix it? She goes, but you should be able to see shades of gray. Why? Because she says, that's how the world is. No, it's not. The world is black and white, I said. And she spent four years trying to teach me shades of grey. And I'm quite happy she never succeeded. I see the world. It's not broken. It's If it's not broken, I like my argument with my brain is this. The only problem the world has was they didn't know how to fix it. I now know how my brain completely works. And I still see no problem with it. Like, okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I, um, interesting. I see so, the world in black and white. And so you're you're it. married, correct? Yeah, yeah. So you don't struggle with the idealization and devaluation black and white aspect in your relationship. Like you, your wife, you don't have a thing to see that like if she's giving you a hard time or something's going on that like there's this other there's this other section like she's if she's having a like a go at you or whatever that even though that's going on, like there's this other side of her, like there's this little bit, cause that's, that's seeing shades of gray, if you will. Like you're not able to talk to yourself when she's like taking a piss. Is it taking a piss? Am I using like good vernacular here? I know. Like, taking a piss is when you're slagging someone. Um, <clears throat> when she's acting. You just the- use jargon for other. Okay. That's not going to work yeah. anyway. Yeah. So she's giving you a hard time and like maybe the wash hasn't been done or something like that. And you get angry. Like you're not able to like also remember in that very moment that like, she's a great spouse most of the time or she's got this going on or if you have kids that she's also a good mother like you just very quickly snap between the two because to me that's like that's black and white but if you have that that self-awareness like you are seeing some gray oh is that it right well right so years ago i'll say before i got better right 
I just say I'm better. And, you know, to be honest with you, I am. Um, There's no denying that. Um, Before I got better, I would, like, love her and then hate her if she was annoying Mm -hmm. me or giving out to me. And, like, like, you know, I'm 20 years with Emma, and we've had many, 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 many arguments. And um, I'd love her and then I'd hate her. But then I started looking at people and going, right, you need to start valuing, you know, you need to start taking stock with people that are in your life. In other words, you can't just keep throwing them off the cliff every time you get upset with them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, off the cliff. And then I was looking at Emma and going, like, she's a great bit of stuff. We've had not hundreds of arguments. That would be a lie. Thousands. And. I then started looking at her going, um, she's a really good moral, decent human being. She's a good person, all that sort of jazz. Now, if Emma's annoying me, right, and I'll say annoying, or if she's criticizing me or arguing with me or whatever the case may be, I don't take it as personal as I did years ago. You know the type of way I'm kind of looking at her going, yeah, you can be a bit of a prick at times. Or, yeah, I didn't do this. Or, you know, like, I'll give you an example. Last night, um, Emma, Emma does yoga, so she does it in the evening times, right? I have massive amounts of energy in the morning. And then as the day goes on, my energy just goes down and down and down and yeah. down. Now, I'm respectful that I'm mentally ill. So I do very little in the evening time. I do the kids in the morning and dinners in the morning and whatnot. Or Emma will do dinners in the evening, whatever. We split it up. But the kitchen, here's a bit of Irish, as we speak. The kitchen was in a shite. Mm-hmm. In other words, it was in a mess. So the yeah. kitchen was in a mess there last night. And I was looking at it, and I'm going, I'm not even touching that. Right? I'm finished work. I'm not touching that. Um, now, I would leave that. Right. And Emma knows my form at this stage. But this morning, then, when I, I woke up this morning around quarter to six, I just cleaned the whole lot mm-hmm. and make sure when she gets up, it's spotless. But it's little things like that. Like years ago, we would argue about that. And until I was able to say, listen, it's not that I won't do it. I will. I'm just not doing it now because the little bit of energy I've left I'm not using that for cleaning. I might need to regulate my emotions with that energy. And if I go cleaning that now, and let's just say one of the kids kicks off, I won't have the energy to deal with them. So I just, in the the evening times, I won't, like I conserve my energy for the children because children are children. Generally, they do exactly what children do, which is annoy the fucking hell out of you. You know, when they go to bed, they just keep calling you. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think you know, what's important from that. what's important from what you just said is mm. that because you're conserving your mental energy, you're able to be more regulated with the kids mm. instead of potentially repeating whatever patterns you grew up with that could have helped contribute to yes. forming your BPD. So instead of like snapping and creating just different like attachment issues or anything that can you know, develop BPD, you're breaking the cycle. And that's really, really awesome. Like, I think that's great. And then also just recognizing that 
dishes aren't ultimately worth having a fight over. Like your wife has her routine that she needs to help keep her regulated. Like yoga is great for that. And then it's just like communicating things and having a good understanding. And because you are at that stage that you're very aware of what um, could potentially set you off or anything like that, it's recognizing that your relationship with your wife and your relationship with your kids, as well as your own energy levels are more important than picking a fight over the wash. Like that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, we would, would you believe we're, we're, um, I think 12, 13 years in the house. We've never argued over the housework. Really? Not once. No, never, ever. Shocking. Never once. We've, and I've said we've had thousands of arguments because when, when I moved, when we moved in, we came from a background where our parents were extremely, um, my father was very, very violent and my mother was narcissistic. Um, wonderful people. So, but the, my father would make sure you would clean. Like he, he would kill you. He, no, kill you. So he would beat you badly. He would, uh, yeah. Saturday night beaten. Saturday night fever, Saturday night beaten. Because okay. um, I was even, I actually thought about this this morning because I was questioning myself going, are you leaving the dishes because you can? <laughs> Do you know that type of way? <laughs> because yeah. like, nobody's going to beat you up anymore. And my honest answer is no. I'm leaving the dishes because I'm tired. I don't really care. But I do wash the dishes a lot. That's programmed into me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took years for myself. Like myself and Emma argued and argued and argued and argued and argued and argued and argued. We never argued over the housework because when I moved in, I literally wrote down laundry, cooking, dishes, washing, drying, everything in the house, polishing. And I wrote a list and I just said, pick whatever you want out of that. And she says, what do you mean? I says, this is a house. It has to be cleaned. Pick whatever you want and I'll do the rest. And that's what we did. And it's been that way ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've never heard Yeah, like if I don't do my cleaning, like I clean the house on a Monday, the bits I have to do. Like Emma won't say anything to me. If she doesn't do the laundry, she does the laundry. Say she doesn't do the laundry. I'm not going to say anything. You know, like, if it's not done, I don't get excited. Like, that type of stuff doesn't excite me. I don't, like, if I came home and there was no dinner there, i just cook one myself. Okay. I, yeah, I just, I don't care about stuff like that. Like, if I came home, now, it would never, or I'm not saying never, but let's say it did happen. It might have happened once or twice over the last 13 years or whatever, because we do both cook. Um... My attitude in life is, but sure, if you were on your own, you'd have to cook. Mm-hmm. So just get on with it. I'm a very get on with it type of person. Like, if that's what's in front of me, get on with it. Just get on yeah, with that's it. A good, that's a good attitude. So you mentioned that you and your wife have been together for 20 years, I believe, mm-hmm. and then yeah. in this house for whatnot. Um, so yeah. I was married uh, for five years, and then um, right after I got diagnosed, my spouse was like, I can't be with you anymore. I want a divorce. So that was a whole lot of fun with the fear of, I know this is how, you know, that he was not actually like oh. listening to what I was telling him yeah, about the diagnosis, yeah. because that's like anyone listening here, like, you know, fear of abandonment is <laughs> it yeah. is up there. So it was kind of like a double whammy of, I have this diagnosis trying to figure this out. Plus like you're doing the thing that I've always been terrified in general of happening. So it's a double whammy of dealing with. Mm. 
Um, so when did you get your diagnosis? Uh, 2000, I, I done my wrist in, in 2009. Okay. And, um, I got the diagnosis in 2011. Okay. So two years that it can, it can take a while when they like work through everything, but that's actually pretty quick. No, um, they, knew they knew in Ireland, like kind of different. I know I'm not saying different, but they knew about it straight away. They just didn't want to tell me. I taught oh. ADHD. I was reading book after book on ADHD because I'm so hyperactive. And after two years, I literally went, I think I'm getting a hold on this ADHD. And they were like, uh, you don't have ADHD. I said, well, what do I have? And she goes, ah, you're all right. You're like, you know, you're okay. Sure, aren't we doing great? <laughs> she didn't want to tell me. Some people, and it could be because of the stigma are going on the internet and that can be terrifying and everything. Mm. Um, so when you were diagnosed and then working through things with your wife, like how, if you don't mind me, I'm going to get nosy Ask here. You, away, can tell yeah. me to, you can tell me to like bugger off. Yeah. Um, how, how did that go? Like once you I, got diagnosed, like having that conversation with, with your wife. Oh, my wife hasn't a clue about mental health. Like still doesn't. Hasn't a clue. It's like, it's like a donkey looking at stone. Uh, did you ever see a donkey looking at thunder? Yeah, so she doesn't understand what goes on in your head. And you and I were talking about that, like how hard it is trying to explain like thoughts and everything. But yeah. I mean, like when it comes to support and when it comes to helping you, um, I use the word like manage. I, some people use the word recover. Some people use management. I talk about like I'm in, I manage my BPD. Yeah, That's, that's a word for me. So from that side of things. So obviously you're still together, which is so incredible um, for me to hear. So how, since you've been diagnosed, do you guys manage both your mental health, her own uh, side of things, because that uh, the exposure when you're especially yeah. undiagnosed and you don't know what's going on can be hard on your spouse and then your relationship together. Like what, what processes do you have in place or systems, tools, or even communication? Like how, how do you guys manage that relationship? Um, this is going to sound weird, right? We don't talk about it. Like, oh, okay. Like, like, yeah, see, this is, I don't know how odd or not odd this is, right? Because I only know my life, right? I have never, I would speak, ooh, we never talk about my mental illness, ever. Okay. Like, never. It's like something, and the reason we don't talk about it is, I generally don't talk about mental illness in a sense of, I do get confused, because I. it's me. Yeah. So I don't like I've never once turned around like. Me and Emma have never talked, talked about BPD. Okay. Um, we've never talked about it, like in a sense of. What's BPD like or blah, 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 or, you know, do you know what BPD is like or. Um, I have a very simple way of looking at life. If you're acting the cunt, stop. Yeah. Right. And if you don't know how to stop, learn how to stop. So we don't. I never actually said, well, I'm mentally ill, so this is why I do these things. I've always said, I'm sorry I was being a prick today. Yeah. Um, I've never looked at my BPD in a sense of going, well, you know, I do these things because I'm mentally ill. My attitude is you shouldn't be doing them. No, that's my attitude as well. I, what, where I was coming from, it was like when you got your diagnosis and then maybe there was a buffer and like your attitude of like, I'm not going to be this person that does it. Yeah. Because for me, the minute I was diagnosed, I was like, I know what's going on. There's absolutely no excuse for any behaviors anymore. It's up to me to do it. Um, but I do know that there are certain things that like how people can interact with me can really help. Or if I'm being prickly, 
it's mm. helpful for me to tell people. The yeah. other thing is, so I've started dating, um, and managing that, but I am someone who takes medication right. to help me manage my BPD. Like I take a mood stabilizer yeah. and I, because I have ADHD, I need alarms <laughs> to kind of remind me to, uh, to take my meds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, like it tells me what ones to take and it can be awkward on a date. If my alarm goes off and it says like, take mood stabilizer. And it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. So like, I am, I do tell people after like a certain amount of like trust is built. Yeah. And then I was like, so I have something called borderline personality disorder. Please don't Google it. Like if you have questions, ask me beforehand. Um, and part of the other reason is, um, just again, if you have, if you're listening all of that, like there is a certain amount of stigma. And I was, uh, watching a show with this gentleman I've been spending some time with, I've been seeing, and it was about serial killers and Eileen Warnros. She's oh, just, you're wrong. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they talk about it in it that she has BPD and you could just like see the look like start like the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, pause. We're going to have a conversation right here. <laughs> like, yeah. like I can tell that you want to ask and you're not going to like, no, I'm not going to throttle you in your sleep. Um, but just, just ask. And I think that's why, um, I like to talk to people about it or, um, I can, I connect a lot with um, like movies or something like that. So sometimes it can be a little weird for people if I'm watching something and I can just like very much like I'm in it, I'm sad, I'm emotional. Um, so some people can be like, why are you crying over this episode of Doctor Who where Vincent Van Gogh is realizing how much his like work has impacted people and I'm just a puddle. And then yeah, afterwards, yeah. like you give me 30 seconds. So I was like, oh, good. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And trying to explain because the other thing I think people... And again, I was talking during this, asking anything, people sometimes confuse bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. So if I'm talking to someone and there's a light switch nearby, I kind of toggle it. And I was like, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. Yeah. Whereas it's more like extended periods. Um, so that's interesting that you and your wife have just kind of been able yeah, to like, like we, we just adapt. got on this. Um, this might sound horrible, but it, it's, it's not in its own way. Gemma has never helped me with my recovery. Um, that's not on her to do either. Yeah, like that, it's not, that's not on her. Job is in like my I I got diagnosed and I had eight out of nine. Mm-hmm, same. And I just looked at it and went right. I've eight things to get rid Work of. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I did. I just focused on them. Um, I got rid of them. Emma. Like myself, she's very much get on with it type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, Emma wouldn't understand. And when I say this, like, I mean it respectfully towards Emma in a sense of I don't have an issue with it. Emma wouldn't understand why a person wouldn't be able to get up out. Like, I would go up and lie in the bed, right, to recharge because I'm introverted. Mm-hmm. Emma wouldn't understand why a person needs to do that. It, she can't wrap her head around that. Because she's extroverted. Um, so when I like, like when I say Emma never helped me, it's in a sense of Emma would be like, Emma would be the type of person to say, figure it out. What's what's going on? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, figure it out. Like you're good at figuring stuff out, aren't you? Yeah. Figure it out. You know, you're able to do this, aren't you? Yeah. Figure it out. And I love that. Emma would push you. If I was lying in bed, Emma would be the type to go, get out of bed. I don't feel like getting out of bed today. Get up. Get out. Go to work. That, 
that's very different than I need to recharge. Or sometimes if I can feel myself kind of like revving up and there's something, or if I'm like, haven't been sleeping properly or eating properly, like all those things that you really need to have in order to like have that emotional regulation. Yeah. I put myself to bed. I was like, I just need a bit of a nap. Like I just need a halfer. Like I'm just going to go like have a little nap or have a bath. And I'm generally good after that. Like I'm on about if you were kind of heading towards a bit of depression. Now I've never been, Mm. you know, I'm not on about just lying in the bed. Now, to be honest with you, it's only in the last couple of years that Emma has realized. Yeah, that's a thing. Cause I said, mm-hmm. it. look, me going to bed is not being lazy. Me going to bed is that's like me plugging the phone into a charge port. I need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I said this for Wanda. I says, as you can clearly see, I'm not a lazy person. I actually do quite a lot. But being alone in a room is where I charge up. And if I don't get that, I'm prone to having a meltdown. Yeah. And when she heard the word meltdown, it kind of, it jigsaw together for her. Because you don't want me having a meltdown. No, because again, you're an externalizer. I'm an internalizer. So you would probably like yell in rage, whereas I get to a point that I'm beating myself up and then I might be, um, Mm. I call it tantruming. So I'll end up like crying on the floor somewhere like, or in the shower, like that's, I have to get like very, very, very revved up, like inside where I'm like in a state of despair before I will even raise my voice. um, Like I've done it twice. Like actually, like I said some nasty things. Like I am not proud of what I said, Mm -hmm. Um, but I need to get to a point of just like, yeah, I don't like it. I, I felt very bad when I, I felt very bad when I got to that point, um, the yeah. couple times that it happened, but the way you explained it. So Emma does understand you guys do communicate it. I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. So right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, when you work, when you talked through that, you very much do co co-manage it and not in a bad way, but in a, she does understand why you need to do something. Oh, Emma. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Emma understands me really, really well. She understands me like as she said to me one day, look, I don't get I don't get the mental illness. I just know you. Mm-hmm. And she knows like I give an example last week when my face goes stone cold and I look like a psychopath. Emma gets that I'm confused. Or if she asked me a question and like I had to say that to her once um, because I can't make something up off the top of my head because I find it extremely difficult to lie. So it's just, I can't make this random story off. Like Emma could ask me, we'll say mommy at the moment, she's dying of cancer, right? So yeah, I'm sorry. We've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, that's life. But like Emma would, Emma asked me there the other day, um, how's your mother? I didn't want to talk. As in, yeah. I did want to talk about it. The three kids were there. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't say it. So I just went, mm, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. What did you what, 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 what did you say? Um, uh, 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 <laughs> she goes, what? I can't make up a story. I don't know what to say to you. I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay, right, okay. And then I text her. And I says, look, I'm going to ring you anymore. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to ring you with with mommy's news. I'm not going to yeah. talk to the kids. I, I'll ring you. I'll ring you. I'm not because I can't make up a, a a random story off the top of my head to soothe the environment. I can't mm-hmm. do that. I can't like go, well, it's like someone, one of the kids said to me, do people go to heaven when they die? 
I don't know. We we do. I don't know. I don't know. We um. I, I don't know. I don't know. I there's no proof of it. I don't know. We don't know what to do. And then don't be telling the kids this. What you, yeah, they do go to heaven, kids. Everyone goes to heaven when they die. Do the daddy. Um. I don't. I don't know. Uh. There's no proof. We we don't have any proof that we. Do, I don't know. There's no proof. Stop saying that. She said. And the kids were over and back, and this was happening while we were. Yeah. And, and they were like, Daddy, what do they go to heaven? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. There's no proof. Emma <laughs> pulled me out. To, Stop saying we don't know. And I was yeah. like, but we don't know. I don't know. We don't like. There's no proof. We don't know. I have no idea. We don't know. <laughs> she goes, just, just say yeah. And I said, I can't. I can't. Like. I can't. That's lying. I can't tell. Like, I don't know. So stuff like that, I get extremely like I am now. I don't know how to answer stuff like that. Like if someone says to me in work, what the fuck happened there? I'd say I fucked it up. Yeah. What? Yeah, I fucked it up. I done this wrong and then I done that and I fucked it up. Like, like this is a fact. In work years ago, my supervisor came in. He goes, how did you get the run, the paint run on the car? Yeah. I wasn't concentrating. Why? My mind got distracted while I was painting and I lost my concentration. Well, don't let that happen again. No, it will. Like, sure, I'm, I'm human. I'm not a robot. I, of course, I'm going to get distracted again. It's just I'll try and do it less. That's the way I talk. It's like, yeah, I can't turn around and go, oh, I don't know. I'm, you know, something happened. <laughs> No, that's not bad. You're being honest and yeah, honesty like is like the best way to live your life. Because if you start making up lies, you got to keep track of them. Like, that's not yeah. good. That's not healthy. Like, no, yeah, it's not. You just, to me anyway, like I prefer to tell it as it is. You know, do I tell everything? I don't. Do I tell lies to my children all the time? I never thought you'd lie to children all the time. You know, Some lies need to be said to keep them safe until like they're older, and then you can have like those conversations or Santa, the tooth fairy, all that kind like, of thing. Like, yeah, thing. little things like that. Like, it's bedtime when it's not. <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> it could be 10 minutes away, but I have lies of convenience. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like going there. Oh, God, you know, the plane is landing. Um, but yeah, yeah, generally I tell the truth. I think it's easier. You know, you don't have to remember much. And then, um, your meltdowns so you have three kids hmm. what is that like managing your mental health and some of your reactions that you might have while being a parent i love it okay right? i love it i love being a parent um i joke a lot about the children because i think you should be able to joke about anything in life yeah. and i'm a firm believer of that you know i actually told a joke about my mother dying of cancer the other day and that's my way of looking at the world. Um, I love it. Like, to, me, to be honest with you, I love it. I'll tell you why I love it. The kids push me to be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they highlight all my fears. Yeah. So I have to look at them. And you can't give them back. I've tried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, I love being a parent. And like, I really do. If I'm being if I'm being open and honest, I do joke a lot about parenting and kids. I love being a parent because it's lovely watching the three children. The three children have three different personalities, and 
you have to be three different parents to them. And you have to adapt constantly. Like it's a constant adaptation to three different people. And I love the fact that my son loves hugs and he loves to be snuggled in and you have to stroke his head. And yeah, I love that. My daughter, you have to you have to figure out my daughter without communicating. Because she wants you to figure her out without her actually telling you her world. <clears throat> and, you know, I completely get her, but she thinks I don't, but I do. And then my other daughter sees the world in black and white. And of course, I love that. That's a dream come true. I mean, you know, to see the world in black and white, I just love that. It's like, yeah, I hope she never loses it. Um, as it turns out, if I watch your saying, I do see the world in grey, I'm able to analyse and yeah, I don't love him at one minute and hate her the next. I mean, I mean, more of like, say you're at that point where your battery's at a zero, something's happened, you're feeling like a little, I'm going to use the word prickly. Like you're yeah. feeling like a little on edge. And if your children witness you having a meltdown or something, like how do you communicate that with them? Or if you, for whatever reason, you might get a little snippy or prickly with them and they don't quite understand what it was that caused that. Or are you able now with where you're at in your management that that that's not really a thing for you? Oh, that's not a thing now. Like, okay. I don't have meltdowns. You don't? Uh, no, no. I haven't had meltdowns in years. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's why I say I'm better. Like I literally don't have meltdowns. Um now to say that, right? Like being honest about it, I'm extremely controlled with my emotions in a sense of I'm very stern as a person. Mm-hmm. And I choose to be. Um I do believe my like I'm a parent. I get my shot, right? It might be wrong. My kids will tell me later on in life, you done this and this fucked my head up. Fair enough. When you have kids, you do whatever you need to do. And then, you know, your goal is now and see how you get on. And that's my attitude. Yeah. Um, I'm very stern. I'm also very playful. I'm mm-hmm. very much in a parental. You'll work hard in our house. Mm-hmm. you'll do your chores just like I had to when I was growing up. Um, if I need to raise my voice, I do, but it's very much controlled. <clears throat> it's very much controlled. Like it's rare. I'll have them like it's rare. I won't be in control of my emotions. And how did you get to that point? Like you said, you've, you've had this managed very well for several years and I'm again, so I was diagnosed just over a year ago and I have my own ways um, of doing things. And again, I mentioned that I'm medicated and then you yeah. listen to my podcast. So, you know, that I put out those DBT, like the free DBT stuff, like based off of my perspective. And yeah. I'm a huge advocate for psychotherapy and stuff, but everyone does things differently. Again, like I have all my workbooks and stuff mm-hmm. too. So, um, for you, what did, what did management look like for you? I looked up, I basically long story short, looked up what, what a human being is made of and, and how we are as a species. I, I was walking into um, in here, actually, into the, this room here, and I have a, I have a massive aquarium out, outside that I built. I got someone to build it. I didn't build it, but I got someone to build it. And I was looking at the aquarium one day because it is, it is, it's a pretty big aquarium. And I was just looking at it going, you know, the fish are happy in there because the environment is right. I mm-hmm. built it. I got it built big enough that I wasn't being 
a prick. <clears throat> so, like, there's 10,000 litres of water in it. And it's pretty good for them. It's a good home for the fish that are in it. But I just looked at it and went, you know, their environment is perfect. And that made me think, what's the perfect environment for a human being? I love this. And I went, so then it's just our research and what is a human being made of? What are we, what's our environment? And then that really kind of brought me down a road of like biology and food, nutrition, sleep, exercise, mm-hmm. all these things. And now I have my life down to four things, exercise, sleep, nutrition, food. Okay. Food, nutrition. Or, sorry. No, or no. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, sleep, food, exercise, reflection. Okay. And these four things I broke. This took years now, if I'm being honest, it didn't just magically happen overnight. Um, but I got it down to them four things. And every day it's a checklist. Have you done them? Did mm-hmm. you go to bed on time? Did you do exercise? Did you eat properly? And did you reflect? And I live my life by that. Like some days I'm a prick. Mm-hmm. But like I'm not being a prick because of BPD. Some days my wife can be a prick. And she's not mentally ill. It's, everybody can be a prick. Everyone can go, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, or... Like, my daughter spilled milk the other day and looked at me. And I just gave her a kiss, right? Because yeah, she was just like, clean it up. There's nothing up. wrong. Everyone yeah. doesn't clean it up. But then on other days, I could be like, I fucking told you to clean that up now. Will you get the fucking thing cleaned? I have no problem cursing. I'm Irish. Mm-hmm. We curse all the time. It's like our nature. So it's not like, I, well, my wife doesn't curse, but a lot of Irish curse. So there's days when I'd be like, for fuck's sake, will you do it? Come on, mm-hmm. you're ready to do this. Now, that's less and less and less. Even that's less and less because I'll reflect over even that. So how do I live my Absolutely. life? Absolutely. I'd reflect over that and go, do you want to be cursing that much? I don't really care about cursing, if I'm being honest. I don't even care. if the, I'm surprised our children don't curse. I'm, I'm actually in awe. They haven't cursed yet. And I curse all the time. Yeah. And they just don't curse. Um, Emma doesn't curse. It's probably that. It's a balance. It is. I think, like, I'll be honest with you. This is mental, right? I curse so much. It's just unnatural. Right? But I curse. And I don't care about cursing. Emma never curse, right? I have a son and he's a pure gentleman. And one day... One of the girls opened her front door and the other girl ran out. And Emma said, for fuck's sake, I'll kill her. And Charlie said to me, oh, my God, Daddy, Mammy's just after cursing. Right? <laughs> the truth. I turned around and I went, what? Daddy, Mammy's after cursing. I says, that's fucking unreal, Charlie. You'd never hear me fucking cursing, would you? Oh, that's funny. Right. And he turned around and he went, no, daddy, I never hear you cursing. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> they don't hear it. <laughs> yeah. Emma cursed once. They're just used to hearing you say just it. used to hearing it. So like I curse, but I wouldn't be cursing in a bad, bad way. Yeah. Um, so how do I cope with them? If I'm at my lowest amount of energy, 
it's in the evening time. Mm-hmm. And as I just said earlier on, I have very little to do in the evening time. So I just have to glide that airplane into bed. Yeah. In words, I get home and I'll give you an example. Emma does her yoga in the evening time. So I do my bits in the morning time. So I'll get the kids up in the morning. I believe you should be fair. I believe, I believe men should do either equal to a woman or a little bit more because they're stronger. Um, and we are stronger. It's just that simple. Um, so I do most of my work in the mornings. I'll get up in the morning and I'll cook a dinner. And then when that's done and I wash up after that, I'll wake up the kids, get them ready for school, get them dressed, wash up after that, and then I go to work. So by the time I come home in the evening, if I do zero, I've nothing to do. I've done it. Mm-hmm. If if the dishes are not done, I don't care. I'll do them the following morning. If they are done, I don't care. But I have nothing to do in the evening time. So, so you, when just, you know your body and you know like oh, what you need easy. and you have a schedule, which Absolutely. is awesome. So um, you're good at like the, I like DBT. So like the plea side of things. Um, you mentioned reflection. Ow, mm. bloody hell. Um, you mentioned uh, reflection. So what does that look like for you? I'm really big on, um, journaling. Like that's a lot of what I do for reflection as well as, um, like meditating and like mindfulness. So what does reflection look like for you? Is it something that you do constantly throughout the day? I do that, but then I do a lot of like deep dive reflection. So what does that look like for your, um, your management and like keeping tabs on things for yourself? I ask myself a basic question. Were you being a prick yesterday? Um, (laughs) As a, I see with you, you're you're quiet. Um, I can be, and that's just the reality of my life is that I can be a prick at times. So when I get up in the morning, or else I generally don't reflect. Like when I go to bed, I go to bed. Like even Emma, Emma, she's learned this as well over the years. Emma will come into the bedroom sometimes and want to have a discussion with you, and I'm like, no, not happening. Sorry, it's the bedroom. I don't yeah. talk in the bedroom. I do not talk in the bedroom. This is for we're sleeping. Yeah. So I, I'm very much routined in a sense of I will go to bed between half nine and half ten every night. Mm-hmm. I don't let that move. Mm-hmm. If it's a wedding, yeah, whatever. But generally half nine, half ten. Um, but I'll get up in the morning and I'll reflect over yesterday. Yeah. So when I wake up in the morning, my brain just buzzes and buzzes with energy. So as I'm doing the dinner or whatever I'm doing in the morning, I'll be like, well, we had a prick yesterday. And I love talking to myself in the third person. So I'll be like, well, we had a prick yesterday. Ah, well, you're fucking cursed a bit much there in front of the kids. Right, okay. Why were you cursing in front of the kids? Well, I was trying to get them fucking ready. And like, you know, I have to get out the door and... Fucking hell, mammy's sick now, and I have to try and get out in time. I want to go over to my mother in the morning, and mm-hmm. I want to give her a bit of time before I go to work, see if she wants a cup of tea or whatever she wants. And I was under pressure with the kids, and you know, the fucking are, you're, they're only asked to get fucking ready, and they won't get ready. And I was like, fuck's sake, will you get ready, right? So then I'll say to myself, and what could you do better? <laughs> yeah, so you do a chain analysis. You no, know, so I just go, what could you do better today? Right, you could wake them up five minutes earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. What else? Well, I don't like I don't like arguing because I'm a really 
aggressive type of person. So I am aggressive in my nature. So then I said, right, I, I don't like arguing with the kids because like I hate the mornings being I want I want the morning time with the kids to be fun. Yeah, it sets an intention for the day. Like yeah, however things are in the morning transpire, like it sets every interaction you're gonna have for the rest of your day. Absolutely. I wake up the kids in the morning with real gentleness. I want the kids to enjoy the morning. I want to have a bit of crack with them in the morning and have a laugh. So my intentions in the morning are like that. So then what I did, like I literally done this um, two mornings ago. I said, guys, listen, I argued with you yesterday. I don't like arguing. So here's what's going to happen. Daddy has jobs to do. Ye mm-hmm. have jobs to do. Ye know you have to get up. You know you have to get dressed. You have to have your breakfast, brush your teeth, whatever. You know these jobs. These are your jobs. Daddy's jobs is doing the cooking and cleaning up afterwards, and that's daddy's jobs. So here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to ask you any more to do your jobs. However, I'm going to tell you 15 minutes before I go up to change for work. When I come down, if you're not fully dressed, you can just take it that you're not going to be doing your activities this week. You know, swimming or whatever, horse riding. You're not going to be doing them. So I'm not going to argue anymore with you because I don't like arguing with you. So just take it. When I say I'm going up the stairs. Now, what I have done is instead of coming down straight away, I kind of stay up there for 15 minutes to give them a bit of time. To yeah. get ready, just because, you know, they can't. Tell you're setting them. them up for success. Yeah. You're giving them a chance to be successful and you're not setting this unrealistic standard. Like you're not trying to punish them because you're being vindictive. And I think that's like, a very good snippet of you saying that you manage it well. Like you're setting your kids up for success so they can keep having these activities. You're just trying to say like you have some responsibility and you're, I need you to be accountable so that we have this agreement that you can continue to do these fun things. You're you're properly parenting. No, I mean like, and that's worked a treat. Like I, the only thing I changed was I, I literally said, I'm not arguing. And I went upstairs. Now, as I said, I stayed up there for 15 minutes because just you don't want to come down and they're in a panic trying to get ready. I'm not into mm-hmm. that. I don't, I don't like my kids being panicked or come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm not into that or get ready in time or I like to give them plenty of time because, you know, it's, it's a, if you're kind of going to be come on, come on, come on, come on. You'll make them fucking anxious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that type of way. No, so, that's that's so important. I, you had talked about your parents. I can't remember if it was when we were recording or beforehand and things that like how your parents parented you. So I, I'm, I believe in transgenerational trauma. So you're, you're making these corrections because I'm guessing that in your childhood, you felt anxious and you had that happen. So the fact that you're aware enough and you're like, no, like, I don't want my kids having those same like thoughts and like being mm. put on edge. Like that's, that's extremely important. Well, I mean, look, like, we, I'm going to tell, this is mental because, well, I've never said this, but I'm going to tell it. We went over to my mother's this evening. Because, you know, Mammy hasn't seen the kids yet and she wanted to see them. And when we went over, like nobody can see this, but I'm pointing my finger, right? This particular mm-hmm. finger. When I go to bed at night, um, I eat quite a lot of fiber, which is one of the reasons I'm extremely healthy and my gut is healthy and plenty of fiber. We know what happens, folks. We get yeah. it. Okay. We're not going to say it. It's assumed. Yeah. 
So anyway, I have this kind of joke, I suppose, <laughs> where I'll hug the children and I'll wiggle my finger, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll pull it. And every time they pull it, I let a massive fart, right? Okay. And they call it my fart finger, right? <laughs> and when I went over to my mother's this evening, they thought it was hilarious. Now, obviously, I'm doing it deliberately, but they think by pulling my finger, I can't control myself. Mm-hmm. But it's little things like that, that when I'm putting them to bed at night, that's what I want them to remember. Yeah. I want them to remember the stupidity of, do you remember when dad had put you to bed and you'd pull his finger? That type of stupidness. I want them when they're having a pint later on in life, well, I hope they don't drink, but if they do drink, that they can sit down and go, just he was a fucking mad bastard, wasn't he? Like, but like, in fairness, do you remember when he put you to bed and you'd pull his finger and he'd fart? Or like, I want them to remember like getting up in the mornings. That's so important for me that when our kids are woken up in the morning, that it's really gentle and like placid and kind. Because yeah. my father would come in and he'd literally drunk, drag you over fucking bed. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day and we were on about like getting beatings and stuff like that. And you could beat me all day long and I would laugh at you. Literally. Trauma response. Because I know it's not going to be as intense as what happened to me as a child because you yeah. don't have the strength to drag me like a ragdoll around, around the place. Mm-hmm. But I laugh. Because I know as an adult, unless you were a giant, <laughs> there's yeah. no giants out there. I've checked. Um, I know that that can't happen. So I literally can laugh at stuff like that. But I want my children to get up in the morning really, really gentle. I just want that. So to answer your kind of, do I go into a meltdown? I don't really, because our house is extremely structured. In a sense, you set yourself up for success. Oh, what it sounds like is like you set yourself up for success so that you don't have that happen specifically, like either around your children or most importantly, in my opinion, to your children, like hmm. your children are not directly impacted by a meltdown. And again, I would imagine that for them, it would be much scarier because hmm. you are like more externalizing than it would be for me because like, I still get prickly. Like I still get angry, but I like do it in my head and I get angry and like, I have my own thing. So no, that's, that's really important in my opinion. Yeah. No, like my sister the other day, we were on the phone and, um, she could hear the children in the background. And I mean, I'm known in my family as I would be the most aggressive in our family. And my sister went, cause she knows how stern I am as well. Like I'm extremely stern. Um, your children aren't afraid of you. I went, no, your children shouldn't be afraid of you. And I went, no. She goes, but like, I thought they would be. I said, why? She goes, because you're so stern. Like everything is, you need to get that done. It has to be done. She says, no, they're just the rules of the house. Like I make sure they're followed through and we all have our own things to do. I says, but I value that as a person. In other words, like I give an example. Yeah. One of my daughters is extremely empathetic, right? Extremely empathetic. And one, not so much. Mm -hmm. 
and we have a dog and the dog sleeps with us, but the dog is getting old. Right. Yeah. And I says to myself, oh, will someone bring down the dog? Do you remember the other morning I was doing breakfast and I, and I heard the dog barking, but he can't jump off the bed. He's too old. And actually, that's the dog in the background. Love yeah. And I said, well, why don't you bring down the dog? Oh, I don't want to. One of them said. But the one who's really empathetic went up and got the dog. And I went, oh, you're the last person I want to because she's going to be the one to just here. I'll do it for you. Oh, I'll take over. Right. Yeah. So I turned around to the other one and I said, tomorrow morning, your job is to bring the dog down from now on. And I deliberately made sure it was that girl, uh, you know, it was Sadie, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. Reason being is I want to give Sadie chores to do. And I know she doesn't want to bring down the dog. But more importantly, what I want is I don't want Amber to be the person who has to take over and solve Mm -hmm. problems of our house because that's her nature. I don't want that. I don't want her to go, oh, I'll fix it. It's not her job. She's the kid. It's not her job. I don't want that. And she's the type of person who would take on that role in an environment that if you didn't watch it, she would just take over. She would parentify. I, yeah. I did the same thing as a kid. And again, it's not healthy. It's, it's your not, job. No, no, not your I, job. I have a sister who's been doing that for 50 years. I can imagine it's exhausting. I'm, I'm still working on not doing it now that I know about it. Not trying to fix people. Not trying to fix situations. Like, yeah. it is not my job no, to not. jump in and do it like at all. And that's, that's great that you check that. No, I don't like I, I don't want um it's not children children should be children in my yeah. eyes. Like like when the kids are arguing, I'll give you an example. When the kids are arguing and you know hitting each other or whatever, and it's not all the time, but they do argue quite a lot because that's what kids do. And they're very close in age. You're talking two years. Yeah. Two children and the twins as well. So my idea as a parent is. I should be able to handle that. And if I can't, there's something wrong. Yeah. If I can't handle my children arguing and fighting and doing what children are doing, that's on me. Mm-hmm. You know, like last week or a week before, with the stress of mommy, um, and, you know, when, when someone is dying of cancer, everyone has an opinion and everyone is right, yet they're not all the same opinions. Yeah. And we should do this and do that. And, and, and it's very frustrating and it's very overwhelming. So I literally turned around to my sisters and meant, yeah, I'm going to take a couple of days off. I'm not going to ring you. And whenever I get back to you, that's when I get back to you. Because I could feel my energy being dipped. And I need that energy for my family. Yeah. So setting like, a boundary. Yeah, I'm like, no, I need that for them. And as it turned out, I went home and we were playing a board game. And my, my you know, my son got question right but it wasn't his turn and my daughter hit him mm-hmm. right and I just went okay you need to leave but because I set the boundary I didn't fucking turn around and hit her a dig oh yeah <laughs> you know what I mean well, would you, yeah you know that type of I know would you I'd fucking kill you I'm the type of person that would I would that's the type of person I am. I'm an extreme, like I do say to people, I'm an extremely violent person who can control my emotions. 
It's completely in me to do it. I didn't do it and I wouldn't do it. But I have to respect the fact that that's in me. Do you know that type of way? You need to respect that it's there and then you have to control it. Now, I don't do it. But no, that's that's a lot of self-awareness. And then um, there, there's a quote that like you have the violence, but you control it. And that's what makes you a truly dangerous person and not dangerous in the sense of like the violence, but dangerous in the sense that you are that self-aware and you are that in control that like you can harness it if you, God forbid, ever need to. But yeah. otherwise, like you are yeah. that like disciplined um mentally and physically that like you're in control of your body and a lot of people can't actually say that like neurotypical or neurodivergent so i was talking to a person the other day and i'm extremely open about being a violent person because i can completely control it like it does you're like the hulk no but i i completely you would be it would be no no, that, that, that's a compliment. So in one no, of the no, Marvel like, movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, what's your secret to being angry? He's like, oh, I'm always angry. And that's why I can control it. So like when I say it, that's a compliment. Like, well, I know I get that. Yeah. Actually, would you believe that's my favorite line? Yeah, you know, I would. I remember I remember in 2012 when that came out and and uh, Bruce Banner, well, the actor, he turned around. And he goes, that's my secret. I'm always angry. I went, Yes somebody else is like me out there you know yeah that was like when i got diagnosed yeah there's others but i mean you'd never hear of me hitting someone lashing out losing my control even in work the boys like one of one of the boys in work said to me one day how come you can work so hard there's a ton of rage in there. I have to use it somehow. Yeah, you channel it. And, I, and that's the truth. It's a ton of rage. There's a ton of energy in there. But if I need, if I need that rage to come out, I can open that floodgate in a second. Mm-hmm. And if I need to go back in, I can put it back in. Control. You're in control of your emotions at this point. I don't pretend. They don't control you. Absolutely not. Like, I was only saying that to a girl I was chatting to the other day. I said, I'm grateful. I'm so I'm grateful. I have so much rage and violence in me because I have to control it. I have to actually go, you can't do that. Like even with my daughter the other day, I in my head pictured hitting her a box into the shoulder because she was within arms lent. Right. And she fucking just hit him. And I was there going. In my brain, because I talk to myself in the third person. Yeah. She fucking deserves a box in the shoulder. She deserves a box in the shoulder with that one. You know, a little fucking box into the shoulder. And I went, yeah, you can't really be doing that, can you? It's interesting hearing that you do that, too, because I'm guessing you had this conversation in your head, right? All the time. Yeah, I'm, I constantly do that too. And trying to explain that I was trying to explain it to my mom, how like my thought patterns go, if there's like a behavior that I immediately want to do, or I think something immediately and I can snap, I have no, like I can want to split. And it's the decision of if I choose to act on splitting or not. So I'll have it. And then it's like, okay, pause. And then literally going through all of like what I want to do, the repercussions, like does this person even know that this is doing this to me? Have I articulated it? Like, is this even rational, like based off of the relationship that I have with this person? But again, where your instinct would be to like punch mine would be to like, you know, whatever, like inside my head and just beat myself up and be like, this all has to do with me or like 
block delete like everything like that but it's like going through the steps so it's interesting that to hear that like you also do that like you have to talk to yourself consistently i'm like i always talk to myself in the third person because even like i'll give an example right i won't give an example i'll tell you exactly what happened the other day even though i've said this in a previous podcast i'll give you no this is this is awesome because i actually i want to do a whole episode where we go through like maggie's thought process in like any given day of like a situation and then and then go through i'm going to i just need to get the time and like write down what i was thinking like this happened what are my thoughts this happened what are my because i think it would be interesting for people uh, like parents or like friends or family that listen to the podcast because like if someone else can't explain it like it's easier to have someone that's not related to you try and explain it yeah. so yeah let, let, let's go through your example here I, right the other day so the other day um i had canceled with the sisters and i i went home and had a board game right <clears throat> so you had a pardon uh, you know like a monopoly or a board game oh board game okay yeah. Um, it was actually called Articulate for Children. So like, mm-hmm. you know, Articulate for Children. Anyway, there was a question in it and it was my daughter's question, but my son got it right and he couldn't hold it. And he said, and the game and the time was up and she couldn't get it. And he blurted out the answer and she just hit him a box into the stomach. And in my head now from the box in the stomach and me addressing her was about two seconds max right in that two seconds this is the dialect in my head you should hit her a fucking box now into the shoulder to teach her a fucking lesson right i went "Ah, you can't do that listen you can't do that jesus christ you can't do that if you hit her a box into the shoulder how far are you going to fucking go back she's going to think you're a prick you can't be fucking hitting your daughter a box in the shoulder she fucking deserves a box in the shoulder she might deserve a box in the shoulder, but you can't be fucking hitting her a box in the shoulder. We're going to address this right because I'm not fucking going to beg guilty because I hit a fucking my daughter a box in the shoulder, even though she fucking deserves one. Put the box in the shoulder away for the time being, fucking nut job. I'm not hitting my fucking daughter a box in the shoulder. I'm going to address this shit. Amber, you need to leave the room right now. Don't talk to me. Just leave the room right now. You, mm-hmm. What you did is not acceptable behavior. Just go on out of the room. Just go right now. My brain's going, you should fucking follow her and fucking give her one. I'm telling you now, you should follow her and fucking give her one. Let her fucking see that there's bigger people out there. Right? Yeah. So my brain was kind of, come on, let's fucking kill. Because that's the way my head is. And I went, listen, nut job. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. There's enough energy here to fucking quieten you down. You're not going hitting your kids. You can't be fucking just hitting them. I have a rule about hitting the kids, right? I have slapped my children. I have no problem saying that, right? I have slapped them. The rule is if they put another child in danger, if they put one of my other children in severe danger, you're getting a fucking slap because you're putting one of my other kids in severe danger. And they're too young to understand death. (laughs) They don't know that you can die. You know, some people might go, I don't agree with that. That's my life. I live it. You know, I'd say the kids are about, if I'm going to be completely honest, the kids, Amber's eight and the twins are five. They probably got two to three slaps in their lifetime. That's it. Emma won't slap them at all. (laughs) And the way I look at it is, is that's it. If you put them in danger, you're going to get a slap. And some people will be like, no, you should never hit your kids. And some people will be like, whatever. That's me. I'm rearing them that way. But I think if you were to hit your kids, 
on an ongoing basis, because I got it on a daily basis, they'll become immune to it. And after a while, it'll be just, fuck you. Because that's the way I was. So I generally, like what happened the other night, I would generally go, that's not acceptable behavior. Now, here's what happened afterwards. When they were going to bed, she hit him again. Right? To which I just took him by the hand and I said, come on, I'll put you into bed. Right? I lay down beside him. He was crying. And I said, look, it's okay. I want to tell you something. If anyone hits you, you should ignore them. He's not like me. I yeah. will kill you. He's not like me. So I can't teach him that. And I don't really want to teach him that anyway, to be honest with you. I said, look, if anyone ever hits you, you should ignore them or walk away from them. I says, don't hit people. It's not in his nature. Mm-hmm. He says, you're a great lad. And I says, I'm very proud of you for walking away there. Right? So I'm trying to teach him to walk away. <clears throat> Went out to the next room, lay down beside the other girl, lying down beside her, getting her ready for bed. My daughter who hit him was looking at me with a side eye. <laughs> right? And I stood up and I lay down beside her. And I said, you know something? I love you so much. And I said, deep down, you're a really good girl. And that's the type of girl I want to see. I said, you were like daddy when daddy was a little boy. Daddy wasn't able to control his emotions. And that's why daddy doesn't eat sweets. Oh, you don't eat sugar either. Okay. Interesting. So I says, you know, now I did for a bit when, you know, my mother got sick and then I said, fucking cop on. <laughs> so I went back off it. But I said, look, daddy wasn't able to control his emotions when he was younger. And because he wasn't, he used to hit a lot. But now I don't. And you're very much like daddy and that's OK. And it's my job to try and teach you how to not react with hitting. Mm-hmm. I just want to say to you, you're the best girl ever. And I love you so much. And that's how I respond to that, because I believe that's the correct way to do it. I don't. My daughter felt like shit. I know that. Yeah. She felt like shit going to bed. I know too well. I actually know too well. She thought he's not going to lie with me. (laughs) I knew this. And I lie with her last anyway. So even the sequence of lying with the kids was exactly the same. My son, my daughter, and my eldest. Now, this evening, when we were going over to my mother's, um, she was giving me a bit of attitude. Yeah. Right? She's it. Um, what'd she say? You, you shut up or something like this. I can't remember if I'm being honest, right? <laughs> I just went... I couldn't love you anymore if I tried. I really couldn't love you anymore if I tried. I says, I don't know why, but every time I look at you, I just, my love grows for you. And that's the way I generally act around the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because I believe they need balance. Yeah, I believe, absolutely. I believe... At some stage, if my, if my children grow and they have children, if they do need to slap their kids, I don't care. I just think there's a huge difference in your children constantly believing you're going to slap them. My kids don't think I'm going to slap them every day. 
because we don't like well as i said my wife doesn't it could be once every two years <laughs> do you know what i mean it's not like oh he's gonna hit me now it's not like that is the potential there for me to slap them yes do i want them to know if you get fucking out of hand in a big way are you going to get a slap 100 percent. yes you know I want my children, and I'm going to be firm with this one. There was a fellow called George Floyd in America, and he got killed there a year or two ago. Right? Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, right. he got killed. And afterwards, a lot of teenagers went and broke up a lot of buildings, and they just wrecked the place, right? I want my children to think, if I fucking do this, my father's going to kill me. That's, that's it. I want them to go, I'm not doing that because my father would fucking kill me. I have no problem with my kids thinking like that because there has to be that element in there, in my belief. I know we're gone all into the let's not do it and let's you know be mindfulness and all that stuff that's out there nowadays. But for thousands of years, we've got by... <laughs> without the mindfulness and i want my kids to go oh, i'm not gonna do that the father kill you you know i'll challenge that because mindfulness has been around for also thousands of years depending it on has. the religion that you're a part of same with like i'm a big advocate of stoicism so it's just that's another way of being mindful so i'm gonna yeah, yeah, challenge okay. that but it's it's like cultural too right yeah. you know where i'm coming from in other words there has to be an element of fear Yes, not be totally afraid. I believe that with children. In other words, they're not going to completely disrespect us or anything like that. Where there's that element of, you know, that's the father or whatever. That's the way we were in Ireland. And, and I, I, I'll be honest, I do like that. At the same token, my kids aren't afraid of me. They're not mm -hmm. kind of worried. I mean, yeah. Like my, my daughter will answer you back. I find, it, I find that hilarious. You know, lately I'm, you're stupid. <laughs> Because she's eight. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Like, I wouldn't turn around. Even Emma turned around a couple of weeks ago when she was saying to me, are you not going to address that? No. Why? I'm not stupid. Like, what am I going to do? Tell her, don't say I'm stupid. Then she knows she has me. Yeah, she knows how to, like, get under your skin. She's like, then she's just going to continually call me stupid. I Like, no, I just call, you know, you don't talk like that. You know, she's she's grown too. She's only eight. She's going through she's going through a little kind of teenagey phase at eight years of age. I know this. Yeah, testing boundaries, testing what happens, and that's part of being a kid. It's part of like figuring things out. Uh, yeah, she's gonna test the boundaries, and I, I think it's up to us to allow her to, to like test them. You know, keep the morals in check, the values in check. Beyond that, no. Yeah. No, no. They're kids. They need to be kids as well. You know? Oh, yeah, you can't protect them from everything. I don't want to protect them from anything. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I want them to realize, do you know what my favorite, like my kids know this. Um, <clears throat> when my daughter turned around the other morning and said, that's not fair. And I said, what's life? And they said, I don't want to say it. I said, what's life? Life isn't fair. There you go. There's nothing wrong with saying that either. Like it's not, 
Life is trying to protect kids too much. You're not setting them up to be successful. You're not setting them up to be competent. Like hmm. it needs to be controlled. I'm not a parent. So like nobody listen yeah. to me here. Like I'm, I don't have kids. Um, it's just my own personal philosophy. Should I ever be lucky enough to have kids, but set them up to be competent and strong. Don't try and protect them from everything because it's never going to end well. I'm You're not sure. setting your kids up to be functional adults. I was asked the other day, what do you want from your kids? I want them to be independent. Um, I want them to be social, manners. I want them to be able to hold down a job. I want them to achieve what they want out of life and know too well the hard work will bring that. Mm-hmm. I went off and got my daughter a job. She's only eight years of age. Shoveling horse shit. Because we, we send her horse riding. Yeah, so do something and do the horse and it's something you like and it helps almost earn it and then you have respect for what it takes in order to be able to do that activity it's accountability absolutely like in our house you don't get anything outside of birthdays and christmas now if you want something like my daughter a year or two ago said daddy could i get a pair of roller skates yeah yeah what do i get she said what i said I'll buy you the roller skates, but what do I get in return? Like, what are you going to give me? I have to use the money that I had to work for to buy these skates. What will you give me in return for getting them? I mean, it's not your birthday. It's not Christmas. What will I get? What do you want me to do? Sweep the floor. Okay. But you have to do it 20, I think it was 25 times, I said, something like that. So I do up a yoke, and it was 21 to 25 on it. I says, every time you sweep the floor, you know, mark one off. She mm-hmm. done it before she did it. Like every child. But if I sweep the floor, if, you, if I just get the skates, I'll do the floor. No, I no, says, you won't. no. When I work, I get paid at the end of it. And when you do this, you get paid at the end. That's how life works. So she done it for three days and then she stopped. And like in fairness to the kids, thankfully, they're very decent and honest in that sense they wouldn't take it without it being honest and i like that about them so she didn't do it and all this and a couple of days went by and she goes could i get the skates i said but sure you haven't completed your task so then she started doing it again now i had them bought at that stage and they were up in the bedroom but she didn't notice but out of 25 days i don't know the exact number but you could be talking two months she didn't get the skates until that 25th mark was ticked off. And that was but it. you're teaching her a lesson. You're building that value. You're, yeah, you're yeah. building her like integrity as well. And, mm-hmm. and that's what's important. I don't know about you, but I didn't have a lot of that in my household growing up. So a lot of what I've been doing for the past little bit is literally parenting my 31 year old nice. self, which is weird. <laughs> and like, right. This is all about me this evening. How, what, what was your experience with your childhood, if you don't mind talking? Uh, no, not at all. I'm kind of getting used to it. Um, from the outside, it was one of those like Brady Bunch type um, families. So mm. lived out in the country, six bedroom house, like appeared very privileged cottages, mm. that kind of thing. Um, I grew up in a very kind of emotionally and um, mentally neglectful house so there wasn't really physical violence anything like that I think I got the bar soap dragged across the back of my teeth once (laughs) um that's disgusting never do that to your children um but it was very much just neglectful just 
no care, none of that stuff that you talked about. Um, when you were mentioning you want your kids to have those like good memories of like pulling your finger, like farting thing. I don't have a lot of good memories specifically with my dad. It's mostly bad memories, um, traumatizing memories, if you will, again, no physical abuse, anything like that, but it was very much of a, um, we'll buy things to try and make it seem like we have a good house. It's not actually like spending time or anything like that. Like we got shipped off every summer. So our parents could kind of go do, whatever it was that they wanted. And again, this sounds like very like white privileged middle-class thing, but you want to spend time with your family. (laughs) Like you want to spend that time with your parents. And it wasn't like that for me. I don't remember playing with my parents really. I don't remember any of that. Um, my dad was an alcoholic. Okay. Um, I said good night to my dad every night through an intercom system. So like, I didn't see him. It was the garage out back, like a, an intercom, like you press a button, say good night and hope that like he said it back or finding my dad completely like pissed, uh, mm-hmm. like pissed drunk randomly throughout the house, or he would get so drunk. He would come into my bedroom and like pee in the corner and then come yell at me about being in like whatever. So, and then other things like that have to do with, um, like sexual abuse, not in like my immediate family, but things that happen. So that's kind of where things were for me and a lot of invalidation. Like I was that kid who sounds a lot like your one daughter, like very empathetic, very like feeling oriented and then being told you're too much, you're too emotional. Like this, this isn't this. Um, so then it turned into a lot of parentification between my dad being an alcoholic and constantly finding him. My mom hit this very big depressive time, um, where I had to parent my mom. I got a job really young and it was, I bought my own clothing. I bought my own groceries, all of that kind of thing. So very much being an adult at a very, very young age for myself and for my little sister, um, which is hard. And then same thing, like when you think about kids playing, I don't remember playing either like by myself or specifically not with my family. I was that kid in my bedroom reading. Like that was very much like where I was safe was like being in my own head and in books, like people can't see this, but like my, my whole office is just full of books and that's what's safe for me. Right. Right. Like that, you see, my my thing about life is everybody it, they look at their life and everyone's trauma is real regardless of your circumstances i mean some people would listen to my life and go oh your life was very hard but it's no different than like i i'll always argue this with my kids my kids will think i'm a prick yeah compared to the life i'm giving them compared to what i what they have and i have is a million miles away from each other it's- it's all about getting better each generation and like you recognize it. And then it's like, what can you do to make it better for them and to like break patterns? And that's, what's so hmm. important. Like I mean, you recognizing that you can't just like, if you said box your kid, like, yeah, like yeah. that's you recognizing that like what you went through is not okay. And like changing that pattern so that it's not repeated. Yeah. And that's critical. It is. But the point I'm making with this one is that that trauma was very much real in your life. And it is real trauma. I mean, when you want to connect with somebody, And they will not make that connection. That's trauma. And I still carry that. Like, I cannot, like, it's not that I can't, I'm working very hard on this and like slowly, like doing the thing to like where you're (laughs) uncomfortable, but like building it out. I Mm. can't, and I, or not, I can't, I struggle to tell people what I need for them, that I need help from them, that I need time from them. What I need from them emotionally is all very hard for me. And it makes me a very closed off person. Like, it, it's something I know that I struggled with retrospectively looking at my marriage, but I also know 
that that marriage was very much reflecting on the patterns that I learned as a kid of how women and men interact, like what I was seeking out of my dad. But even now, like I, I struggle so much with either saying no, because I want people to, um, pay attention. I feel like that's what I need for approval. And then, like I said, like asking for what I want is so hard because when I did that as a child and through my teenage years, even in my marriage, it was always no. Right. And it's just like, okay, like I can't get that from other people. And like, yeah, that's, see, that's, that's strange in itself to me. It's strange because I'm the opposite. I'm the complete, like, I remember saying to my mother one day, you will mother me and this is how you do it. As a child, you said that. I'm a nightmare. Like out of our family, I'm regarded as a nightmare because I tell it as it is. So you are assertive. I have, I have to talk to my therapist and be like, I require assistance with assertiveness. Even I do, I'm in DBT. I talk about this all the time on my podcast. I'm fine with uh, mindfulness, emotional regulation, distress tolerance. Great. I can mm-hmm. do that. My motorcycle was stolen and it's like, let's go through these steps. Great. No problem. Work through that interpersonal effectiveness, like hits me in the gut. It makes me so uncomfortable because I know it's my weakness. I know that that is where I struggle. Like I can't tell people what I want. I struggle with assertiveness. Like the other day I told my boss, I couldn't take on anything else. And I thought I was going to throw up, but I was like, Oh, I did it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy in growth, but no, I, that is not, I'm very jealous. You can do that. No, I, I can very like, jealous. I, um, no, I come like, no, I mean, see, I wouldn't know any other way. I, I don't know any other way. <clears throat> it's kind of like how you said with the externalizing. So um, in my head, I don't ask because I'm not worthy. Like, I don't deserve it. Like, I am not worthy of those oh, things. Yeah. Like, there's something inherently flawed with me. And that's kind of like where my quiet goes. I'm gonna have, this is kombucha, by the way. It's not wine. I don't drink. Um. You see, then people are going to say no to you all the time. I know. I set myself up for failure. I don't give people the opportunity to say yes. And that's something that I'm actively working on through this whole DBT thing is I need to ask because people will say yes. And there are going to be people that will meet me. But if I don't ask, I'm only going to get more no's than I get yeses. So I have to be vulnerable. Um, I love Brene Brown. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like. Hmm. where you're at like I need to be vulnerable and ask for things so that people can meet me halfway Hmm. instead of making assumptions about people like I can't and this is something I do I think that I can read people's minds and I go through a they're going to do this this is why they're going to do this this is all the reasons and everyone's lying to me (laughs) and it's doing those (laughs) internal thought patterns that you do of being like no that's not it just because somebody says that they're busy doesn't mean that they're like your dad who can't spend time with you because he's pissed drunk Hmm. like being busy is you can actually be busy with work like people don't inherently want to lie to you all the time yeah. and it's teaching myself and still having those conversations that, you know what, like you don't understand everything that everyone else goes through as much as you like to think that you do, you can't relate to someone who might, yes. you know, have a job in sales because I have a very cushy job. Like I don't have KPIs. I don't have metrics. Like why am I making an assumption about somebody else? It's mm-hmm. learning to trust what people say, even if I might not be getting what I want at that immediate time. Right. Okay. And not being angry if I don't or frustrated or like beat myself up that I'm not like worthy or that I'm like this awful person or I did something terribly wrong to push them away. 
like it's a lot of relearning how people interact, which is so foreign to me. Right. Okay. You see, and 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 I'm I'm the complete I'm the complete opposite in a sense of I will demand it to be. Oh God. I will demand it. It's like I'm just hopping off for a second because I need some water, but I can still hear you. So I'm hey, just off screen, know. but I can hear you here. So um, you demand. Yeah, I will demand how to be in a sense of this is the way it should be. I'm a person. I have rights um, and this is the way it's going to be because I value that I'm a person. I'll give you an example, right? The other day, uh, one of my sisters who I really get on really well with, like really, really well. She's like one of my favorite sisters. She was giving out the information for the family and because I see the world in black and white and I need every detail to know exactly all concepts of the, the case so I can build it up in my head. Yeah. I said, I don't, I don't understand you. I said, you're not being crystal clear here. You, you really need to be crystal clear. You, you know, you have the information. You have to be giving it out. This is, this is not, you know, small information. It's information about mommy. You're not being crystal clear. You really need to be crystal clear. And she says, you know, I don't know what to say because everyone else is getting it, Sean. And I went, and what? That's fine. I don't, yeah. I'm not getting it. I, I, this is what I said. I'm not getting it. I'm a person, so you need to say it that I understand it. Even if you, I says, you're like, if you're saying it one way to the other six, fair enough. That's one way you're saying to them. You have to say it a different way to me, so I get it. Good for you. And that's something that I'm, I'm really working on because it's so foreign to me. Because again... 30, 30 years, hmm. that that's not how my brain operated. So it's learning to do it in small with small things, starting with people that I kind of trust. Cause I have trust issues that I'm working through again, cause I, I set people up to, to fail or historically I have. So yeah, no, that's, that's a completely foreign way of, you, uh, of thinking. You see that would, I felt worthless as a kid. Because I was told I was worthless. But I always knew it was off. You know that type of way? I'm the only one that gave trouble in our family. My father, he would get you in line. But I just wouldn't stand in line. Um, and I'm trying to analyze your head in a sense going. So mine's the opposite. Yeah, so I would be told that I'm like a lot of attention was paid to how I looked as a kid. I very much looked like a little like porcelain doll. So I had that like very blonde hair, curly, like blue eyes. So I'd be told whatever, or I I'm a very, like I was straight A's all through school, okay. like perfectionism, perfectionism, but nothing that I did externally would create like a relationship on the other side of things. So for me, if you're at, if your words don't align with your actions, that's something I have a very, very hard time with. So I'm being told something, but I didn't feel it. Okay. Um, so for you, it's almost like the op. No. Yeah. You didn't believe it is like what it sounds like to you. But for me, it was very much like, I'm not worthy of anything. Like I don't hold value. Where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from my dad, honestly, like I am probably the definition of, uh, father issues. 
um, no matter what I did, like I couldn't get him to want to spend time with me to feel worthy of his attention. Like straight A's didn't matter. Athletics didn't matter. Like nothing that I did would be whatever. If I even tried to have like any kind of personality or make a choice it was always kind of the wrong one or I'd be like put down and made to feel like ashamed about something and just like he would like poke and prod like um getting into my teenage years very much about my weight part Mm. of what I struggle with is uh food (laughs) so one of my like self-harms I call I consider it a form of self-harm is Mm. either binge and restrict so like I I deal with disordered eating patterns so if I was big he would give me a hard time Um, and then if I got small, he'd either call me like stick or something like that, or encourage like how I looked. But then even when I'm at a healthy weight, like I'm a fairly like muscular person and Mm. he would like go on about like my legs being like a Clydesdale and stuff like that. Like there was absolutely no way that like I could appease this man. Right. So he was always common. He's, he's not Irish by any chance, is he? He's not. We're Scottish Irish. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Like descent, descent based. Like I'm Canadian, <laughs> mm. but my family's Irish and Scottish. Yeah, yeah, that's the Irish way. Um, the Irish. He way was is... born here. He's born here in Canada. He has no yeah, excuse. Yeah, yeah, his parents were fucking Irish. Um, it's the Irish way. You see, that's that's the Irish and the Scottish. The Irish and Scottish. I know. Way. I'm I'm screwed. Um, mm. actually, I'm not. But I now looking back at it, my dad. That's what he learned from his father. Yeah. Like my dad had no, like he didn't have, I talked about this, how I had issues in my marriage because I didn't have a good mm. reference. For example, my dad didn't have a good reference on how to be a father. Yeah. And then when like going through therapy and getting diagnosed, I was really angry at first. And then it's like learning about transgenerational trauma. And now it's being like, he did the best that he could do while being an alcoholic, while having severe, like generalized anxiety, like he did the best that he could. And like, having to forgive him and being like, just seeing my dad as a flawed human, because as a kid, like your parents are supposed to be like the be all end all. Like you think that they're perfect and you don't realize that your parents aren't, that your parents have their own shit going on in the background. You know what I mean? Well, they're trying to raise kids. Yeah, (laughs) that's so true. I mean, I love my parents a bit. I love my mother is the biggest nightmare on the planet. And I can say that with, absolute ton of love my father was the biggest bastard that ever lived and i love him to bits um that's just true i mean he was i wouldn't have lived my parents had a more abusive life than i've had so it was my job to just be a little bit better than them it's my kids job to try and be a little bit better than me um and so be it i mean if you I look at life now and I look at life and go, that's it. Like, if I'm going to fucking blame my parents for everything shitty in my life, like my hand, I don't blame my parents for my hand. 100% it came from the shit they gave me. I mean, I didn't randomly just fucking decide to slice it to the bone one day. But at the same token, I don't blame them. I don't go. You were responsible for that action. Like you. Yeah, I don't. So, I mean, I look at life now as that's just life. Yeah. It's it's shit. Life is shit. I'm going to teach my kids that as well. But with you. You you can be dealt a shit hand of cards, an absolute shit hand or Hmm. yeah, a shit hand of cards. And it's okay. 
but what are you going to do? And that's something that I'm a big advocate for. It's Mm -hmm. like, this isn't an excuse. Like, yeah, I understand how things likely formed for me to have BPD, but that's not an excuse for me to like repeat patterns to keep doing the shit that I was doing. That wasn't adaptive before. It's like, no, like be better. (laughs) Like you're, you're, you can be a better person. Like, yeah, you have this, you're going to manage it, but it's not going to control you day to day. Like there's ways that it's not going to control you. Like don't allow it to freaking control you. Like. I I think I see I'm, I'm on, I'm on your zone now. So I'm constantly thinking of you. I think with yourself is it's a lack of confidence. It's a lot. Oh, I have none. I have none. And it's so weird. Like I mentioned going into the dating world and it's so weird. I hate if someone compliments like how I look, like it makes me want to vomit. Like if someone's like, oh, you're pretty or like, if someone's like, oh, you're like very sexy. I was like, oh, like, no, like, ew, ew. No, I'm quirky. I'm nerdy. I'm like a geek. I am not... (laughs) I am not that like it's taken a lot for me to get to the point that I can even like walk into a room, like stand up straight shoulders back and like look people in the eye. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, very difficult for me. And I mean, there you go. I mean, you're, you're literally, you're literally saying it. In other words, if someone passes you a compliment and don't get me wrong, I find it extremely weird getting compliments today because I didn't grow up with it. So my brain is still not, I just, it's, it's, it's like, if someone compliments me now, I'll go, thanks very much. Oh yeah. And that's what I'm working on. Like saying thank you instead of being like, no, like shutting it down, like learning to say thank you and be like gracious, like just graciously accept it. Even if I don't yeah. agree with it is hard. Like it's hard, like rewiring those thought patterns. Do you know what I'm working on at the moment? And I'm loving it. Being narcissistic. Oh God, no. <laughs> no, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm surrounded by people like my life is surrounded by people who have narcissism. Right? I think you're overdiagnosing statistically. They might have traits. It's like saying you're surrounded by people with BPD. They might have traits. Doesn't mean they have it. They're legends. They're legends. Yeah, they have lots of traits. They have lots of traits. But I mean, well, the mother, yeah, I'd argue. That, yeah. You know, yeah. She's definitely in the gang. But I mean, I'm loving the fact of if you're mentally ill, right, and we are mentally ill, and you have empathy, well, then you should be able to look at the world through other people's eyes. So at the nope. moment, well, I do. I can. I can. You not? Why not? It. I. I can't remember. I talked about this in an episode. I. If you were to put me in a room with someone who looks like me, same mm. like academic achievements as me, same career as me same like general personality, I would tell you that that person is probably like, I could celebrate the things about them. But for me, no, like it, it doesn't reflect back to me. And it's like trying to learn how to allow that to reflect back to me. So like, I get what you're saying about trying to be a little narcissistic. I think what you're trying to say is like celebrate things about yourself yeah. and like be your own hype man. And I'm literally trying to train myself to do that. And the best way to do it is because I, I know I, you're talking to a person who had no confidence growing up. I used to think I was ugly. I used to think that nobody would ever love me. I used to think yeah. that um, I was worthless and useless. And I'd never, like, when I'm 43 years of age now, um, when I was in my 20s, I thought nobody would love me. Um, yeah. I do find it funny that Emma does, if I'm being honest, because <laughs> I am a fucking lunatic. Um, I said that to her once. I, I, like, I went, 
how come you just had to go for the bad boy? You just couldn't go for a gentleman. You just had to go for the bad boy. And I find that fucking funny. I just find that hilarious that she, you know, she could have went for a gentleman. Either way, she didn't. She went for me. And this is the, hopefully we'll be there for the long haul. But over the years, when I was building my confidence, I didn't like it. Like I would compliment myself and go, no, fuck it. You brushed your teeth. Take the compliment. You'd take the, you know, you, you, you've done a good spray job. Take it. Um, like even now, <clears throat> when I do a spray job, I look at all the good. That's good. That's good. That is bad. But I will first off look at the good. You've done good. As far as intelligence goes, I'm a fucking moron. And I'm intelligent enough to know that. I cannot, <laughs> I can't do academics. You know, as I, like, I love this. Look, look. Not on it. Um, I don't do notes, I do, but, but books and stuff like that. And I was saying this to a person the other day I was chatting to. I have to listen to a book two to three times. But the point is, is I'll do it. I have, I have huge grit. That's something I definitely have. I will go a minute longer than you. Will. That's all I have to do. In my life, my, my brother... Years ago, when I had a business and he was opening up his business and he says, you know, like what, you know, he was asking for little tips here and there. And I said, just do something, just do something that nobody else is doing. Mm -hmm. Do that. Whatever that is, find it and do it. Whatever they're not doing, you do it. The thing that I've done in my business is I would keep going longer than you would. Absolutely. I would just go longer than you would. I remember. I was doing uh, aluminium wheels or aluminum, I think you call it. Aluminum. I like how you say aluminum. it, though. I like that a lot better. Uh, aluminum. It's so, yeah, aluminium. And um, we were doing um, aluminium wheels. I'm going to fucking ask this question now that you're here, right? Not yeah. you. You. By any chance, was he snoring earlier on in the podcast? Yeah, she was. It happens on occasion. She's so she's large. So for people listening, I have a a Cane Corso, so an Italian Mastiff. So she's about 125 pounds. And for reference, I'm about 130. Um, So she's a people sized dog. So when she snores, it's loud and it picks up on the audio. So there's nothing I can do about that. (laughs) I I was doing earlier on in the podcast, I was going, is somebody asleep? Yeah, that's. Layla. I didn't want to say it. I was like, "Going, I'm really fucking sure somebody's asleep here." Yeah, that's Layla. Thankfully, they are, and because I'm pretty sure people, when they're listening in, going, "Somebody's asleep there." Turns yeah, out it was. Yeah, but, but like, aluminum wheels. Aluminum wheels. So I was doing. I had a contract for a BMW, and the person that runs the place really aggressive, like really aggressive businessman, complete business, and. He was like, you need to get these wheels done, you know. And I said, sure, sure, i get them done. You know, I'll give you eight. And I says, great, because we're busy, he says. So give me the eight wheels. And we had to do them that night. We couldn't do them during the day. So the next day, he's, you know, his colleague rang and goes, do you have them wheels done? I says, I thought you were busy. He goes, what? I says, I thought you were busy, like. Like, are you not going to collect them? So the following evening, he came with 16 wheels and he goes, Oh, Colm says, just because you thought you were having a good time last night, here's 16. 
Yeah. And he laughed. And the next morning he rang, he goes, well, do you have the wheels done? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I thought you were busy. I thought you like, I thought this was, I thought like, oh my God, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. I said, like, I don't know, is this what busy means to you? And that was cracking him because this is like BMW and, you know, I'm not into cars, so I don't care about brands or anything like that. The following evening, he came at 24 wheels. <clears throat> We've done a full day's work. You can only do the wheels in the evening time. And he came at 24 wheels and he goes, here's 24 wheels. We need these by tomorrow morning. I says, all right, okay. Fair enough. So the rang the next day and made the 24 wheels done. When he rang, he didn't expect them to be done. He says, there's no way you had them done. I said, I thought you were busy. Like, is this what busy means to you? Right? He came with a full 7 Series BMW. And he says, um, Colin wants that full respray. And he needs it by 3 o'clock tomorrow. It takes a week to do a full respray. Especially on a big, a large car like a 7 Series. Yeah. He says, Colin needs that at 3 o'clock tomorrow. At 3 o'clock, at 2 o'clock the next day, I rang him and I says, that BMW is ready if you want to collect it. That's my attitude in life. Yeah, it's, it, that's how I approach getting my diagnosis. Like, I know it is, and you can, like, charge head first at it. Certain things are easier than other things, though. Like, for me, learning to control my emotions, learning to, like, be better with distress tolerance and mindfulness, very easy. And now I'm at that point of trying to, like, charge the interpersonal mm-hmm. side and the confidence side. Like, you had mentioned that you listen. I kind of briefly touch on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have issues with, like, people being in my space and, like, connecting with my body and confidence. So I was like, I'm going to do things that make me uncomfortable. <laughs> so, like, I signed up for pole dance classes because uh-huh. that's like really uncomfortable. It's athletic. You have to be like in touch with your body. I left at one point, I had a cry in the bathroom. And then I did the whole talk to myself, be like, you get your ass back in there, like go do it and just like stick with it. And same with, um, I started taking jujitsu. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you're into MMA, like the grappling side of it again, because I have to be in close proximity to people. And for me, it's a way of dealing with like some of that, like sexual abuse trauma. It's like taking control and power of how I'm interacting with another person. So like that side of thing, I'm getting more confident with myself and my body, but it's still like, I'm still working on like building that like strength and fortitude when it comes to having confidence in other areas. So it's like, pick what I can do, gain some confidence there. And then like expand out the bubble of like being confident. And like, if I'm confident in activities, then hopefully I can learn to be like confident in how I like present myself to people and like carry myself with confidence because I have these like little successes similar to like your wheel yeah. story. Yeah. But yeah. Less like, intense than spraying a car. And, and like I'm chatting to you now and you know, it's like anything. I didn't magically just yesterday get to here. This was a ton of failures. I mean, as I said, I reflect every day. It's like, how can I improve every day? Even, mm-hmm. you know, with fucking picturing, picturing hitting um, Amber a box in the shoulder last week. That's why this evening she got the, I couldn't love you anymore. That mm-hmm. was because of that. That's my reflection going, like, what the fuck is wrong with you that you want to even try and hit your daughter a box in the shoulder? How can you improve on that? And then I said to myself, well, 
Then I'm, if she's giving me attitude, I'll just put my hand to my heart and go, I love you so much. And it killed her, right? It killed yeah, her. Yeah, it's the opposite, like do Oops. the opposite of what you're originally thinking that you want to do. And That's- I do the same thing. Hmm. Like, it's just getting to that point, like of, exactly. like, you, you've been doing it a lot longer than I have. <laughs> um, so like building point. up the confidence in myself of, of doing that, like I recognize that I'm not perfect. Like it's progress over perfection for me is something that I tell myself all the time, progress over perfection and be better today than I was yesterday. Hopefully I might not be better in every single way today than I was yesterday, but find at least one thing that I'm better at today than I was at yesterday. And that's all you can do. I mean, you know, because I'm learning narcissism at the moment, I am perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's all it is, is it's every day. It's like literally and I mean, confidence, I had no confidence growing up, like zero confidence. I can honestly say zero. And confidence is in its own way a play. It's not real. It's absolutely. No, I think it can be. You know, it's I think like- it can be. I think it's more about having trust instead of having it be a play that's not real. But I think so many people get what confidence is based off of how other people interact with them instead of being like hundred percent confident in yourself and trusting yourself and mm-hmm. having um like a, a moral compass like a set of yeah. values like you need to be confident in yourself and be the only source of any kind of validation that you need so that what other people say or don't say to you or how they interact with you doesn't impact you in the same way that it did in my case when I was a kid So I need to trust myself more and value myself more than any other person could. So maybe that comes down to like you saying that like you're practicing narcissism, but for Mm -hmm. me, it's just learning to trust myself completely in every single aspect of my life. Absolutely. And, and, and even with that, one of the big things I find even in relationships is if, if you don't have confidence in yourself, Nobody else will either. No. No, they'll be like, you don't have confidence. Why should I? Why should I trust you? Why should I? Whatever. You feel inferior. I'll make sure you feel 10 times more inferior. Like, and there's a problem. There's a, I talk about him all the time on my podcast. So now your listeners get to be exposed to him. Um, This uh, gentleman, his name's Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychologist and like modern philosopher. He's great. He has this book and it's, um, like walk around with your shoulders back. And it talks about how in the animal kingdom, people that are like hunched over, like they get preyed on those animals are preyed on because they seem weak and they lack the ability to defend themselves. And what I was saying earlier, about like standing up, putting your shoulders back, you're projecting a certain amount of confidence and people are less likely, like you said, to come in and like dig at you and to continue digging at you until you're nothing. Um, and you're setting yourself up to not have that happen and to be able to like have proper relationships. And again, not repeat cycles, like the better I carry about carry myself, pardon me, and know my own worth, that's going to dictate how other people interact with me. And that's very important because otherwise I'm just going to attract people into my life that are just going to repeat these cycles of when I was a child. And then up until my marriage, like I need to break this because I want this now. But before I can have this, like, I need to work on this with myself. Like, I have to respect myself so that other people will then respect me as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I, I don't, I said this as well the other day. I was chatting to a girl and I, I said this story. It's a true story. 
years ago, I was spraying a car and it only had three colours. Right, so it's red, but it, blue, yellow and red went into it or, you know, into that colour. And it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I got it, right? And I was like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Look, I thought, you know, I didn't know it was, I thought it'd be right. And it was, the colour was wrong. And then I went away and I left the job and I came back 10 years later. And believe it or not, the exact same colour I was spraying, <laughs> the exact same model car, not the, not the same car, but same model. And yeah. it was wrong again. But this time I had confidence. And it was like completely different how I handled it. They were like, the color's wrong. I know, yeah. Wouldn't you think the company you buy the paint off will get it right? I mean, it is only three tinters. What are they doing? I mean, why should I even take the gun into my hand and spray a car if they can't even spray it with three, three tinters? Can we not just get onto these company who we're spending a fortune with, get them to get this color right? It's three fucking tinters and they still haven't got it right. I remember this color was wrong years ago. I mean, they still haven't got it right 10 years later. What the fuck are we giving this company massive money for? Totally different person. Very assertive. Very much. Mm-hmm. This is the way it is. These are the facts. That's what's going on. Get it fucking sorted. Mm-hmm. And he went off and got it sorted. 10 years previous, I went home crying because I felt useless that I yeah. was spraying a color that some other fucking person in Germany mixed. Yeah. And it's learning to like look at what you're actually accountable for versus what other people are accountable for instead of putting everything on you because not everything is on you. And this is something that I have to tell myself like that's in that case, that's not actually on you. Like you're not the one manufacturing that paint. You're not doing this. Like this isn't a Sean issue. This is someone, like you said, someone in Germany's issue and it's retraining your brain because for whatever reason, that's how our brains go. And like you have to learn that. And the only way you learn that is through like it happening. And then again, having these moments of confidence where you can check yourself, but that's where, you know, that like you're at a different place because you didn't go home crying. Like that's how you know that you're like managing and that your, your mental fortitude is way, way, way higher than it was. And I think that's one of those things when it comes to BPD, a lot of it is about not having faith in ourselves, not having that trust. And then like the stronger we get mentally, is how we actually like push through, um, push through day to day. Like I said, I call it managing. It's how I manage my, my BPD day to day is actually learning through tr- like learning to trust myself and then learning skills. Absolutely. And, and, and being open and honest. I mean, when I, when I mess up, I, I admit it when I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I've apologized to my children quite a lot in a sense of if I do like, if I do wrong and I'm, it wasn't morally how I should have handled it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go, I'll apologize and go, look, you know, I'm very sorry about that. I didn't mean to talk to you like that. Um, I was stressed at the time and I shouldn't have spoke to you like that. You know, that's generally now. That the, the fucks and blinds, as I do call it. No, that's that's my nature. That's who I am as a person. And I don't want to be somebody different. That's my nature, you know. Um, if my kids go to me, Jesus, you were cursing a lot as a kid. That's my nature. You know, you, you came down through this heavenly thing and you chose me. <laughs> Prove you didn't. Um, but if I make a mistake and I go, ah, look, you were a bit off there. I'll apologize to my children. 
Mm-hmm. I think I think you should apologize to your kids if you make a mistake. It's better than beating yourself up for it, knowing that you messed up and putting yourself into a downward downward shame spiral, and then getting to that point that you're having like a meltdown or having a tantrum. Like it's better to own up to it, realize you're being prickly, tell them that because then they realize that it's on you and it's not on them. Absolutely. And again, it comes down to like breaking that pattern that we were talking about. Like, yeah, absolutely. Because I I want them to apologize. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I want them to. Yeah, and and that's what's important. They need to learn that if they do the same thing, that they should apologize. And the best way to teach someone something is by walking the walk. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. your actions there, and although it's actions speaking louder than words, because in this case, like you require both, but you're mm-hmm. teaching them through what you're you're demonstrating day to day, and that's where they're going to get a lot of their lessons um, for how to move forward in their life. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I, I believe the most important thing in life is failing. I, I, I absolutely believe. You know, when I'm teaching a lad how to paint, I, I go now. You know, get all your failures out of the way as quickly as you can. And they do look at me going, "What do you mean?" Well, you have to fail. You just have to get them out quicker than the other person. You have to fail in order to succeed, and that's like a hard thing. Like in order to master anything you mm. need to fail and you have to understand that that's going to happen, but you mm. also need that mindset that it's okay. And a lot of us, I don't think got that. Like we weren't told that it's okay to fail, mm. but you need to fail in order to learn what needs to be changed in order to be successful. Like Absolutely. find me someone who's perfect at everything the first time. And I will be shocked. Yeah. Like there's some things that we have a natural proclivity for. Um, but yeah, you have, you have to fail. After you have to, and, I, and that's I, where you grow. Even again with the children, I do say to them, that is not going to get it right all the time. Nope. I you're don't doing know the best you can. Answers. And that is not going to get it right. Mommy's not going to get it right all the time. We're just your parents. We're people as well. We're not going to get it right, but we will do our best. That's our job. I think that's as a parent all you can do. No, I like that you say that though, because that, again, that's not something that like I grew up having. It was like, I'm your parent. I'm always right. No, you're not no. always right. You're not always perfect. And like, no. That's important to, to teach kids, Are in you, my opinion. Have you a relationship now with your dad? Yes, and it's strange. Yeah. How do I explain my relationship with my dad? It's changed now that I understand him. Um, I used to get very frustrated. Like, my dad could not tell you how old I am, when my birthday is. He's never around on my birthday. Like, it's, it's brutal. I don't think he could tell you what my middle name is, truthfully. Okay. Um, but he's the type of person who he'll be like, ask me if you ever need help with anything, like, let me know. And like, I'll help you. But then when I go to do it, it's, oh, like I'm busy. I have a lot going on. I can't help you on this particular day. We'll try and like make a call, like call me tomorrow. Like nothing can be planned. Like again, it's hard. It impacts my relationship that I have, particularly with men. Like I very, like, if I hear that from a man, I was like, not safe, not safe at all. Like it's bad. Like you don't actually like value me as a per- like that's where my head goes and I have to like have all of these like thought patterns but now I have to tell myself like this is who my dad is <laughs> this is who he is as a person I can't change it and yeah. I can control the amount that I see him what I ask him and then if I want to have a good relationship I can't really like ask him for things because I know that that's going to send me into a spiral so it's like choose yeah. <laughs> choose what I am able to do so that I can try and have a good relationship with him and not be 
resentful or frustrated or anything along those lines. Or if I do have to ask him for something, work with him and understand his like limitations on things for whatever reason. Like, right. Yeah. I have a question then, right? So, yes. But parents are always in the you're bad, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, what are his good points? Uh, my dad's good points. He's very, very technical, um, which might sound um, odd. So, uh, when I was 27, I had a BPD impulse thing and I bought myself a motorcycle, yeah. thinking that it would help me create an identity, which I love. I okay. love that now. Terrible financial decision, but mm. I love riding. It's a very mindful thing. So mm. when I did that, I grew up around motorcycles too. Again, I think this is like part of like me seeking my father's validation. Mm. Um, but if I ask him and if I have an issue with a motorcycle, he's like, he's there. <laughs> he can walk me through that and he can help me with that. And that is something we can bond through. Um He's also very artistic. So if I'm working on painting or something, like we, there's certain things that we can, we can work on. Um, I, fundamentally, I know that he loves me. I just don't think that he knows how to like be a father mm. to me. Like he, he has great qualities. Like he's, a, he's yeah. funny. He's artistic. He's musical. It's just, yeah. He's, My dad. He's, and you see, we have children. And children expect, and I'm, I, I said this a few weeks ago, I was chatting to a girl, and I said, you expect your parents to automatically understand you because they're your parents, not realizing that when you have a child, you have no idea of their personality that's going to come out. Yes, and, and I, I recognize that. I think the thing that I struggle with the most now is when I do try, like you have the words as you get older to like explain mm. your personality and what goes on. I think for me, the continued frustration is that I try and explain it and it's immediately shot down. So it's yeah. just like accepting that he's never going to understand why certain things can have like the impact on me that they do, or no matter how I try and word it, like, mm. it's just not a thing. And like accepting his limitation there that he might try to understand things. So he's trying he's writing me some music for my podcast to do like a little bit of intro and outro. And he's, he wants to record it for me, mm. but he, he does not understand BPD. He thinks that like my psychiatrist is a quack and that people just give out definition or give out diagnosis diagnoses just for the sake of having something. And I was like, mm, that's not quite how it works. Like if I could not have this, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Like I would not want to put BP, like have BPD, in like my worst enemy like it's not something for the most part so I was like dad like I'm not doing this for the sake of being like oh I have BPD it's like cute and trendy and whatever uh, I was like no not at all um and it's not just going to be like one of those like one and done things like just because like he's very much like don't believe doctors and I was mm. like but you've seen how different I am now that I'm like I'm not under control now that I have like a good management skill set compared to how I was, I was like, so it's better. So recognize that like modern medicine and psychiatrists and psychologists are helpful as yeah. opposed to like being harmful. Like the mean. things that you're saying are more harmful to me than like these people that have say like 12 years of medical education, mm. six years of a master's degree. So yeah, so he, he's, yeah. he supports in his own way. 
because he thinks it's a creative outlet and it's kind of like whatever, but he does what he can with what he can wrap his head around and accept. Exactly. And, and you're hitting the nail on the head because my, my wife, my father-in-law, they cannot grasp mental illness. Grasp, like my wife cannot grasp mental illness. Literally, she doesn't understand, like, she doesn't understand that you wouldn't feel like doing something. Just do it. Do you know the way you wouldn't feel like it? And you'd be like, oh, I'm not doing that today. She can't grasp. She can't grasp how you can't do certain things because you're overwhelmed. She literally cannot. I actually, I, I, when we were chatting earlier, you were asking me about support. My wife never supported me through my, my uh, recovery, right? Mm-hmm. I actually thought she didn't love me at one stage. I was there but going. That's also the BPD. That's yeah, also the BPD. Yeah, I was there like, what the fuck? Does this one even fucking love me? Like, she won't even fucking research BPD. Like, would you not research BPD if you love somebody? She never even looked it up, right? And I mean... It could also be that it didn't matter to her. And that's the other thing is, like, challenging and, like, checking the facts. It could be that it's not that she doesn't love you. It could be, like, she loves you regardless, and it doesn't matter. And that, like, same thing with, like, my ex-husband. But in his case now, he wanted to divorce me, so that's, like, a whole other issue, but... Yeah. No, I got to the, I did get, to the, <laughs> I did get, to the, I, 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 for years, I was like, how could you not love someone if, if, if you're not under, if you don't research this and understand it and all this sort of stuff. And every time I'd try and talk to her, we'd say, just, I don't know about this. Actually, figure it out. She got, you know, just push it away. And a couple of years ago, I just went, oh my God. And she goes, what? You actually don't get mental illness, don't you? She goes, what? This is like, you literally don't understand how someone can be mentally ill. You have no way of going down. It's so complex, though. Like, I struggle explaining it. The other day I was having, like, you were talking about your, like, what you need. And, Mm. like, my plea skills were off. Like, I hadn't been sleeping properly hadn't been eating correctly, like hadn't been able to go to the gym because in Ontario, Canada, we just got out of like our sixth lockdown, I swear to God. So like gyms yeah. were closed. It's Canada. It's like negative 40 degrees Celsius with the wind chill and like three feet of snow. It's awful. Um, so there were all these things that were making me emotionally vulnerable. And then two little incidents happened and I went down a bit of a spiral and my mom's like, Oh, just don't think about it. And I was like, mom, <laughs> mom, can you come by for a cup of tea? Mm. And then I sat down with her. And I was like, if you have the space, because I I like to ask people that I was like, I would like to try and explain to you in these two situations where my thought patterns went and I sat her down and at the end of it, she's just looking at me. Like, I I don't know how to explain the face to people, but just like, "Uh uh-huh. Like that's a lot. And I was like, what? She's like, that's your thought pattern. Like every day I was like, and that's just about two little things. I was like, this is two interactions that I can go through in any given day. And I was like, and because this is all off, like, that's how I get to this point. And she's just like, oh, and I asked her, I was like, is that not how it works for you? And, and I've started doing that a lot to people that are, are more neurotypical than I am. And she's like, nope, that is not how that goes. And I was like, oh, Ooh. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Must be great. But like the more that I'm able to walk people through the thought patterns. And like I said, I want to do that whole episode where it's like 
Maggie's thought patterns and checking yeah. the facts and all of that. Yeah, some people, they just don't get it. And it's, it's accepting that they, they, they won't get it or like how deeply something can impact you because they wouldn't consider it being that big of a thing. But for us, it's a very serious stressor. Absolutely. Like when I, when I, when I said that to my wife, you don't get it. And she's, it was brilliant. Her answer was brilliant. She said, Sean, you know, you think I don't get you. And she says, but what you like, cause I would ring a lot of people and I'd be chatting to a lot of people and you know, my wife doesn't listen in, but she knows I can connect with some, like we're chatting for over two and a half hours. Yeah, I know. No, but it, I, it happens. Yeah, no. I, and I realize with other people with uh, the same like yeah, neuro- yeah. divergencies, it's very easy to do. Absolutely. And she says, like, I can see that you can spend hours talking to people on the phone. And it's like as if you knew each other for 20 years and you could have only literally just talked to them that day. And she says, how hard do you think it is for me? I know I can never reach the depths that your mind can go to. And I have to look down knowing I can never reach you. She says, you think it's one sided that I don't love you, that I can't get as deep as you. She goes, how inferior do you think I am when I know my mind can't grasp that depth? That's so beautiful, though. And it's learning to like we were talking earlier is like learning to see other people's side of things. And like, yeah, yeah, that's the other thing is a lot of time we we struggle. We like to like I like to think that I'm an empathetic person, Hmm. but there's always going to be a certain block. And like that for your wife, like I I wouldn't think about that. And that immediately hearing that, like that makes me sad that there's probably people that I've done that to. Yeah. And it's it's not that I, I would never think that it's like me saying that I'm superior to someone. But that's that's also so hard because she probably wants to be able to understand. And we're like, oh, no, you wouldn't want to be able to understand. But it's like, yeah, she kind of does want to be able to connect in that way. And that's that's beautiful, but also heartbreaking. Yeah, because she can't reach. She says, I will never be able to reach the depths that your mind can go to. I can't. She says, I don't have that mental capacity. And she says, I always have to look down at you. Connecting with other people down there. Yet all I can do is be a bystander looking down. And I went, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I thought she didn't love me. And I was no. like, oh, shit. That's a fucking different turn. And when she said that to me, I went, okay. Yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't see it like that. And she goes, yeah, Sean, I love you. I really love you with all I have. But sometimes I don't feel it's enough for you. She says, because but I don't know what else to say to you. I can I just can't reach your depths and I probably never will. I probably never will. And it 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 did. It gave me a huge um awareness that you know some people will never get the depths that we can go to. You know, we can go to a natural depths in our mind and, and caring and and all that sort of stuff. And for other people, they're looking in going, I can never, <laughs> I can never reach you. You have a fucking tissue up your nose. Sorry, I was getting very emotional. Like, I had never thought about it that way. And it was hitting me. And when I get emotional, I get nosebleeds. So I'm sitting here having a... <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck's sake. You're the first person that's after getting a nose. Would you believe I used to get the same shit years ago? I used to, my nose, I would get so emotional. My nose would just go bunk. You know, that's mental. Yeah, that's something that I haven't figured out how to like work on. Um, 
be more confident. I used to get them years ago. It's no, that, that has nothing to do with confidence. I just got reflecting on like, I hadn't thought about that. And then it got me thinking about my own, like where I got with my marriage and then my parents and stuff. And I never thought of it through the point that like, well, I just think that people don't necessarily or in the past thought that they didn't love me or something, but just their own side of things where they could have been so frustrated that they couldn't connect that way. And like how hard that might be for them. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. There's nothing more crushing than looking. And this is my point as a parent. There's nothing more crushing than looking at your child and not understanding them. You're supposed to understand your children. Could you imagine how awkward it is from a parent's perspective, looking at these children? You wouldn't want to talk about it. It's like, I don't want to talk about it because it's a nightmare. You're supposed to know your children. That's a fucking class. Nobody's ever going to see this. This is classic. She's... (laughs) Oh no, hold on. I have no problem. No, I will do a little like return. This is fucking brilliant, brilliant confidence booster. But I think that's brilliant. I used to do the same thing, to be honest with you. Oh, there's like nothing I can do. I got one the other day and my bathroom, I don't know if you get the show Dexter. Like my bathroom looked like a blood spatter analyst dream. Like Mm. now it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But but at least... At least you're getting more awareness now that like people, they might not be able to reach us. Yeah, we, this was this was a good therapy session. Like, I feel like I should pay you my therapist like hourly wage here because like that was just a very that was a big breakthrough. Wow. Like, I, I understand that they couldn't understand us in some some sense, but it was the how other people feel about that. Because for me, yeah. it's like I wouldn't want anyone else to have BPD, but that if they can't and they can't understand like the emotion side to it, how hard that would be for them, not being able to connect with people that they want to be able to connect with the most, especially like a parent or a spouse or something like that. Would you imagine how much of a nightmare it is for your father not being able to connect with you? See, sometimes I think that, well, we can connect in some ways. Hmm. Motorcycles, my version of football. So like American football, we can connect there, but yeah, maybe. You see, that's why I asked you earlier on, what's his good points? Because... It's like anything in life. If you want to connect with somebody, you have to go into their world and let them feel comfortable. Like when I when I'm going out with my, with my friends, we're out of a lockdown, by the way. Thankfully, Ireland had a bit of fucking cop on. We're uh, we're in the middle of some kind of uprising here in Canada. They've yeah, it's interesting. No, but t- hopefully, we're out of it fully we're soon. Oh, we're gone. We're done. Thankfully, ninety-seven percent of the Irish got vaccines and they knew with the rest of us we're not going to do it um they didn't even want to bring up the name mandate because they knew we would absolutely we'd burn ireland to the ground (laughs) that's our nature um but either way connecting with people is to connect with them on their level as well yes and that's that's hard or Mm. has been hard in the past for me and it's like learning to do that and that's what I was trying to say is like slowly learning how to connect with my dad. Cause I can't do it all in one go. Like yeah. I have to like slowly start to do it. And it's like that with every single person. Like, again, I don't know about your experience, but I like to think that I know people well, and I have a good read for them, which mm. I do tend to do, but it's through a slightly more negative lens than it should be because of like trust issues or whatever. Yeah. So it, it's slowly learning to do that. And it's like anything else, it's a skill. 
it's a skill it's a skill that you get wrong and you try again and you get wrong and you try again you get hurt i i have a firm one of my biggest things with love is this is if you really truly want to love someone you you have to be prepared to be brutally hurt by them and just know that you're able to get through it you have to trust yourself that when that does happen that you can get yourself through it yeah i like and then as, as like, again, I can speak from the perspective of a parent. Um, not that I have the fucking pearls of wisdom. I have no idea what my kids are going to turn out like. I have no idea. Um, I can tell you at the moment, now Amber's going to be listening to this at some stage, obviously. Um, one of my main reasons for doing the podcast is this is a message for my kids. Simple yeah, as. that's beautiful. Um, you know, if they get confused in life or, you know, I know they'll listen. That's a fact. Even if they hate me, they're going to listen because I would listen to something of my great great grandfather if he done it. You would. It's just nature. But Amber, Amber's the type of kid that won't talk to me, right? Because I'm the parent that she, if I said, well, I didn't like that, that would crush her. I'm yeah. that parent, right? So and I didn't nominate myself as that parent. She did. Right? It wasn't a case of I'm going to be the parent who's critical because generally I'm not. Right? Generally I'm not. Out of us, Emma would be more critical than I would with that type of thing. Right? But Amber, when it comes to me, like, and I'll tell you how I know this, right? <clears throat> When Amber was about two, if Emma was giving out to her or talking to her, Amber looked to me to see my fucking facial response. Yeah. And I was looking at her going, oh, shit, I'm going to be that parent. <laughs> right. She was only two years of age. And any time Emma, Emma ever said anything to Amber, like, Amber, you don't need to do that. She'd look at me. And I was there going, ah, fuck, I'm going <laughs> to parent if i say anything to amber that's going to be crushing to her and she was only two right as it turns out <clears throat> i spend i give amber more compliments than i do the twins combined oh right because i know i'm that parent i know she would be like yeah but dad said this and i make sure i say fuck all because I know I'm that parent, right? I know I'm the parent. When Amber shows me something, and it generally, if it comes to art, she's very good. I go, that's brilliant. That's really good. But <clears throat> Amber has already set it in stone that I'm not great. It's just set in stone. Yeah. You're, what did she say? You know, she says to me, you're the worst dad ever. Because in her mind... I'm the worst dad ever, right? Now, I know <laughs> that this is just her way of looking at the world. And at some stage, she's going to grow up and she's going to become a parent or not or whatever. And at, at some stage, she'll realize in her own right. But it's her mindset also. And the reason I'm saying this is this. There is a pair of everybody in it because i'm not trying to defend myself 
Oh no, I'm I'm slowly working through like this is uh yeah, unofficial just... work through Maggie's father yeah. father trauma and father <laughs> issues and rethink everything. Yeah, there is a fear in it. Like I can honestly tell you, when Amber was two years of age and Emma gave out to her, she looked at me and I went, fuck, I'm gonna be that parent. I'm gonna be like, if I say something, it's gonna if Emma said, Amber, I'm not one bit happy with that, that's not good. Amber be like, whatever. If I said, Amber, that's not good. I'm not one bit happy with that. That would crush her. Right. Yeah. And I have a tendency to don't, because I make sure I don't say fuck all along them lines, because I know if I say it, oh, it's, oh, should I, I, I said something once to her and she ripped up the paper in front of me, a drawing that she drew. And I don't know what I said. It wasn't even in relation to the drawing. And she just ripped it up and, you ruin everything, she says. <laughs> right? And, what the fuck did I say? What the fuck did I say? The other day, this is a fact, and I'm going to say it is, and I know at some stage she's going to be listening, but we're talking about a father-daughter relationship. The other morning she woke up. I wake them up gently. That's a fact. There's no getting out of bed gently. I woke her up gently. She came down. I don't know what the fuck was in her head. Right? But she was a bit moody. And she was kind of annoying the kids, right? And this is what I said. Mrs. Amber, good morning. I just want to say this to you. And this is exactly the tone. So I'm going to use everything as I said it. Amber, good morning. Now I says, I'm just going to say this. It's only morning time. We're all only after getting up. I'm up about an hour. The kids are only up. We're all only after getting up. Now it says you are starting to annoy the kids. So when I address it, I'm not going to address it right now, as in, you know, I'm going to address it this way. But in a few minutes, if you keep this going up, I'm going to tell you to stop. You're going to just remember me going, give it up. You're not going to remember that you started this. And I need you to stop now. Yeah. Do you know what she says to me? Get out of my head. And I went, fuck. She thinks I'm in her head. Right. And I could honestly tell you, this is the truth. I am extremely cautious when it comes to Amber. Because I'm the parent that if I say it, it crushes her. Yeah. Yeah. She's always looking for me to fail. So to no fail or feel? Fail. F-A-I-L? Yeah, fail. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fail. It sounds the same to my Canadian yeah, brain, it, so I yeah, just wanted yeah. to... So she's um, always looking to me to fail. <laughs> F-A-I-L. Um, F-A-I-L. Yeah. Yeah. She's always looking for me to fail. It's... No matter what I do, it's not right. Because I'm not touching, uh, you know, I'm not hitting the spot. I'm not connecting, right? And and I think that's the thing that I struggle. This is like a great segue, not just with my dad, yeah. but with people in general, like where I struggle with, with interpersonal effectiveness mm-hmm is not setting other people up to be successful when it comes to me, like putting expectations without putting in enough, like, this is what I need. This is what I require. Yeah. Like 
trying to like talk about those things. And I think that this is a very common BPD experience in general is that until you're able to like communicate what's going on, what you need, what you're feeling, Mm. people can't try and relate. And then I think too early, like we pull back instead of trying to like push a little more, not push in a bad way, Mm. explain, like, instead of like giving a bit more, we immediately like pull back too much. And then we're not setting people up that we really want to have these relationships with like real, like pure relationships, vulnerable, like very loving relationships, because like the minute that you're not fully understood, it's that black, like you snap, you you split and you're like, they don't get me in general. And this whole thing has just made me realize that I need to set my dad up for more successes. I need to lob them a few Mm. more often. So like I can, I, I'll give you another example and you know, hopefully when Amber's listening to this, she, she will be older, but at the same token, it's I love her to bits, right? Amber will make up a game, you know, let's, let's do a game. So the game, <laughs> and every time she makes up a game, you fail. And that just concretes her that I'm a useless parent. Hmm. You never do anything right. You're always, you never do anything right for me. And then they're going, um, like I'll give you an example the other day. Come on, let's play a school. I went up to play a school. So, right. Okay. I said straight away. Okay. So that, what's four by four, four by four. We don't do maths first. You always get this wrong. I said, I didn't like what? What one did you start first? So oh, it's all is gone. And, and, so are and, you always the teacher? No, this was a brand new game the other day. She says, oh, uh, okay. will we do a game? What? We'll do school. She nominated me as a teacher. And then so I started off with maths, but seemingly the game didn't start off with maths first. But Amber, Amber will make up a game. She will not tell you the rules of the game. And then when you fail at the game, she'll blame you for not wanting to play with her. Okay. Amber is me. <laughs> I am Amber. Oh, yeah. And that's like very interesting. And it's something I'm trying to work through, like with relationships. I, if I don't tell people what the rules are or like mm-hmm. what the expectations are, and I think this is important in general, everyone with like boundaries, expectations, if people don't meet them, then you become resentful. Absolutely. And that's like where the problem is. Like mm-hmm. p- you need to properly communicate with people, like yeah. what you expect out of them. And then if that's like, if you've communicated it and that's where like things are broken, like that's when you have the opportunity to like be angry or make an adjustment. But if you haven't done that and you haven't told people how you want to be interacted with, how you want people to um, like treat you, those kind of things. And what you have, you can't be angry at them. That's on you. That's not on them. And I think a lot no, of time. Yeah. She's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> she's only eight. I'm but, but the same token. My point being to this is this, and we're talking about parent-child relationship, right? I have enough awareness to understand what's going on. In other words, unfortunately, in Amber's brain, I'm a shit parent. And unfortunately, in her brain, she's setting it up to make sure that that's concrete. Uh So that her mind is like, see, you're fucking shit. I mean... It's so much so that I've, I've spoken to Emma about this many, many, many times. I mean, my biggest phrase is, if, if I built a pyramid, Amber would cry that there wasn't a flag on top. I knew you get it wrong and storm off. Um, because unfortunately for her, 
it's better that I'm a shit parent because it's so, she loves me so much and I love her so much. She doesn't want the hurt that comes with the love. Oh, that, that's what I was saying. Like when I say I am in like these conversations is I talk about this very often that like I can very much revert back to being a, a child and like six-year-old Maggie kind of thing. And like that comes out in a 30, almost 32-year-old adults like that's where I was getting back at it and that's where I have to like reparent myself and do that inner child work that like yeah you're so scared of the pain that can come with it like for whatever reason if a real failure ever happened like you you almost trick yourself that like you need to prepare for it Hmm. so that you're not completely devastated (laughs) when a real like massive failure actually happens yeah yeah and as a parent again you don't like you know you don't when when your children come into the world you of course you have great expectations and you want to do better than your parents it's a nightmare when one of your children looks at you in an aspect of no matter what you do you're gonna fail it's a fucking nightmare like i can be honest about it don't get me wrong like as i said Even with Amber, I give Amber more time than I do with the twins, right? Deliberately. Do you know what she says to me? You spend less time with me than the twins. I actually spend more time with her. But because her mind has her convinced, right? And I actually said to my wife at one stage, going, like, I do fucking give a lot of time, don't I? Yeah. (laughs) I was getting paranoid. But the poor little girl's mind is convinced. I don't love her. I've no time for her. I've more time for the children, the twins than her. You always love them. And I'm there going, fucking hell. And no matter what you do. Like, and I said, I got, fr- and there's where I'm on about some, t- where I, I got frustrated one day. I said, ah, for fuck's sake, Amber. No matter what I do, I'm going to fucking fail anywhere. You know? You're just setting me up anyway. I'm going to fucking fail no matter what. I says, we might as well fucking throw in the towel. And I got frustrated once and said that to her. And then I went away and went, you fucking prick. You know, I came back. I says, Amber, I'm so sorry for saying that. I says, I'm so sorry. I says, I'm, I'm very stressed today. I'm so sorry for saying that. And after that, I was like, you fucking prick. You let yourself down. It's not Amber's fault. She looks at the world that way. I'm a parent. I'm trying to get it right. You're not going to, you might not get it right. I might not get it right. You, 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 the point I'm trying to make is there's, un, it's unfortunate. There's a two way system here. And how the child looks at the world too is how they're going to look at it. I mean, right. I'm going to, I'm going to twist it for you because I find this extremely funny, right? It's how a child looks at the world and I'm going to twist it. My son thinks I'm a fucking legend. <laughs> he thinks there's nothing on the planet like daddy. It, it's all perspective. And, and all I understand that. He can't I, even hear me cursing. Unless he, he's being sarcastic. No, no, he's not. He's only five. Oh, like he's, kids he's, can be sarcastic. Like he, no, but he literally thinks 
the sun shines out my arse. He, I met a joke once going, if I went round boxing the head of people, Charlie would be like, just I don't remember that now. Dad's great. <laughs> he would like, he completely, absolutely idolizes me down to the ground. I can do no wrong in his eyes. Okay. Absolutely nothing wrong. Everything I do, that is great. That's my point. He's completely fucking off too. His perception of me is wrong. You're not a type of way. So it's, it's really down to the child's way of looking at you too. My, my, my son, I could rob a bank and he would say, I don't think he robbed. I think he must have done this. He wouldn't accept it. He just wouldn't he'd be like, are you sure? Did he? Did he rob a bank? So I'm giving you the complete opposite as well. His perception of me is completely wrong. Which is so interesting. So interesting. And just mental. going back to what you're saying about your daughter and how she perceives you, I've always thought of myself as the easy child for my parents. But now thinking about it, I was like, I was, I'm probably like the most frustrating person for my father. Like I probably infuriate him. Yes. Yeah. 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 You see, every child looks at it from their perspective going, well, this is me and I'm a child and you should love me. Not realizing going, well, what's it like? Like I'd ask my mother, what was it like? She goes, you're a fucking nightmare. And she was right. You can probably hear the dog snoring again. I'm going to apologize. (laughs) When you can look at it from different perspectives. My, My daughter who sees the world in black and white looks at me completely different than the other two. It's just dad. Simple as. One of them idolizes me down to the ground. Like, mm-hmm. daddy. I walk in the door in the evening. He goes, daddy. Hi. Hi, daddy. How are you? I got you this today. Fucking idolizes me, right? Amber looks at me like I'm judging her all the time. <laughs> it's just mental. I mean, even one of her pictures, right? This is a fucking fact. It's a pretty fucking decent picture, if I'm being honest. I loved it. She drew a picture when she was only like five or something. And I was really looking at it going, wow, that is fantastic. I framed it and hung it up. I was that impressed. And it's still in our dining room. I've completely done stuff for her that I didn't do for the other two. But in her world, it's like, you don't love me. You don't love me as much as the other two. Do you know why? Because Amber gets a burst of energy at eight o'clock at night and wants to do stuff. I have no energy left. So that time when I have no energy left, she gets this burst going, oh, could we just do this, this, this? I said, oh, I'm tired now. Oh, you never want to do anything with me. I do board games, Right. I have, Emma asked me, what do you want for Christmas? My mother-in-law asked me, what do you want for Christmas? I said, do you know what? Just let me buy the present and and you can give me the money. I bought 15 board games. That's amazing. Right? They're up in the wardrobe. They're all there. I will play them every evening after work because it requires no energy. I don't have to exert myself. Do you want to do a board game? No, because that's the name. 
boards. Oh God! Yeah, <clears throat> I, I am your daughter. <laughs> Amber loves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amber loves the outside. I fucking hate the outside. Come on, let's go outside and and um and she, and God help her. She makes up these games and she won't tell you the rules. And you feel I fail every time. Even Emma at one stage said, "Amber, you need to tell the rules of the game before you play the game." Yeah. Walked in going, how am I supposed to win? I, I, I don't even know the rules of the game. And then you're doing it wrong. Why do you always do it wrong? I didn't even know that was part of the game. And God help her. She sets it up. She's not deliberately doing it. At some stage in her life, I think when the twins came, she was convinced I don't love her as much as I love the twins. And what she's doing is proving that right all along. Every single time. Yeah. Every time. And her brain is going, see? He's a prick. See, he's a prick. See that? He's a prick. See that? He's a prick. Yeah. No matter what. I wasn't allowed to go to the fucking Lion King this year because I'm not vaccinated, right? Like the play? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good play. I, I seen that in New York, right? There are people dressed up as lions. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it um, when I was a kid in Toronto. Yeah, I seen it. I, it to me, they're just people dressed up as lions. Uh, but it's for the kids. Yeah. Like, that's like super cool. And yeah. the songs, yeah. but yeah. yeah. But either way, the, the amount of stuff that we would do. No. It just doesn't hit the mark. <laughs> it, it's funny that you say that because um, just reflecting again, this is I should pay for a therapy session here. Um, my dad was over the other day helping me hang shelves. Mm. And I can't remember what we were talking about. I think it was Disney movies because I have um, an actual teapot that's Mrs. Potts and yeah, two yeah, mugs yeah. that are chipped from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And my dad's like, oh, yeah, he started singing a song. I was like, how do you know that? He's like, I used to watch them with you. I was like, no, you didn't. He's like, yeah, I, I watched these movies with you. And I'm in my head. I could not. I can't recall this at all. I cannot recall this. All I can oh, recall yeah. is like the times that he failed me or that like there were these oh, other yeah. traumatizing things. Like I can't think of good. I can think of one good thing. Bless my father. He took me to see Spice World, like the Spice Girls movie, like pulled me out of school yeah. um, is like the one, one of the few things. Mm. Um, but no, I can't recall doing any of like the things he was talking about. And I'm sure he's right. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's things that I tell him about that. He's like, it didn't happen. I was like, I know that that happened. But it, it's interesting that you say that because, again, I am still very much like your daughter, Amber, and I'm not giving my dad a chance to like no. and believe as a parent, him about things. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to swear here. I'm a, I, can, I can be cunty towards my dad. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and like you know, I brought, a, I brought Amber on her first bus ride. I brought Amber, I brought Amber over to Scotland to watch a concert when she was six years of age. Nice. Yeah. I have not done that with the twins. Like the amount I, of shit I've done with Amber. That's first. That's like big stuff. That's just, no, you're still a bollocks. And don't get me wrong. I fucking love it. Like we've three children and you know, you love them. You do love them to bits. I love Amber. I know she's just going to be disappointed in me. But I'm aware of it. Thankfully, I'm aware of it, right? Um, 
as a parent, if I was to give you my honest answer, it hurts. It hurts. You know, I, it and I believe you because the other day when this was going on with my dad, I could tell that it hurt him. Yeah. And hurt. yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> because I'll tell you why it hurts. It's the exact fucking thing that Emma said to me. I can't. I love somebody so much. That I can't reach them. It's the exact same thing. I love Amber so much. And I can't reach in to say that, honey, I love you so much. And I tell her. I do, like, I do lie down beside her and go, I love you so much. And I mean it. But it doesn't go in. It just doesn't go in. Because in her world, I'm not a good dad. I wouldn't say, yeah, okay. I have so many things to think about. Cause like the more we talk about this, the more I'm like thinking back. So my name's Maggie. I can't remember if we like touched on that. I, I have a memory of my dad, like carrying me out of the car, like when I had fallen asleep and singing Rod Stewart's Maggie May. Like yeah. I, I have that memory too. And that's a very sweet memory, but it gets overpowered by a lot of things. And it makes me wonder, um, and something that I should do. And I think now that we've talked about this, that for people in our lives, like, do we ask them? How, how can we help you connect with us more? Because so often, and I've talked about this, I want people to understand me and what mm -hmm. I need from them. But it's like asking people in our lives, how, how can we help you connect with us? You're making me think. I'm going to tell you, Amber. This is what you get for making me think. Oh, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going <laughs> to tell you, Amber. And you tell me if I'm hitting a nail on the head with you. Amber will not talk to you, but expects you to understand her completely and gets upset when you don't. Oh, we were just talking about that. And I know that I yeah. did that in my marriage because I know that I did that with my dad. She will not explain. Amber expects you to understand her completely without any form of explanation. I can't tell you why that I do that. And I know that that's part again. And then I get frustrated. And I go down that. I know why she does it. Cause I'm, I'm, I know why she does it. I know wrong exactly. and that you're going to fail. <laughs> oh, cause she wants you to understand her on a deeper level. She wants you to connect with her, but she's so afraid you're going to hurt her because you oh. are that can crush her. Yeah. So yeah. Amber and I are the same for anyone who's listening. I am. How old is Amber? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and I talk about this on my podcast that I, a lot of the time I'm a six-year-old child, like that is like where my inner child wound is. So I have the same thing and it's setting people up to fail. And I think for me, a lot of the time, it's like, I need to ask people to ask me questions, like fully ask me questions because I'm not just going to tell you, like yeah. if someone like discloses something, I'm great asking other people questions and like learning about them, but I won't just give up anything because again, it's the, you, you can then hurt me. But if you ask me a question, I'm more likely to share it with you. But otherwise, I just expect you to like know and understand very much like your daughter. So for me, it's like trying to tell people like you need to ask me questions and explicitly do it mm. because I have issues with this whole quid pro quo thing. Um, yeah. That that's not a thing. Like it, it's not like tennis, like an interaction. Like I'm still trying to learn to have that yeah. interaction of vulnerability. Oh, sure. Look, I remember when Amber was three. I was looking at her and I started laughing in my head and I went, Emma goes, what are you laughing at? I says, I can just picture her as an adult. <laughs> hey, what did she, is she a brunette with blue eyes? <laughs> yeah, I just picked, she's blonde hair and blue eyes, believe it or not. 
Okay, yeah. This is this is Amber as an adult. <laughs> I says I can. Just, I says to Emma, I can picture her as a fucking adult, and she goes, "What?" I says, "I can just picture. You know, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you." And the two of us are just sitting by a pier, on the lake, and she doesn't open her mouth, and she's just sitting there beside me, and then she gets up and goes, "Okay, thanks," and goes home. No, I will do that. Sometimes I just want to be by someone. Like yeah. either like put on some music or even as a, a teenager, I remember being up at the cottage with my dad and I was perfectly satisfied, like off of a water break mm. fishing. I don't actually fish. I don't want to touch yeah, the worm. Yeah. I don't want to hurt a fish, but like those bobber things that just kind of like yeah. I could do it with a sink and then having like a little, um, like a little whiskey, a little bourbon yeah. with like a flavored cigarillo. And I was perfectly content doing that because I felt like that was another way of connecting. Like I can connect without saying things, but then sometimes yeah. because I can do that, I expect you to just know what's going on, which is like a very weird experience. And it's learning how to like disconnect those two, because it can't always be like this. And like, that's an awful assumption. Like, just because I can feel that like you love me and all of those things there doesn't mean that, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Gee, the lack of sharing on your behalf. I know. It sets everyone else up for failure in my life. And then, I mean, look, I have loads of time to work with Amber. And, you know, that's it. Like, like even, you know, Amber, I got her a little job with the horse riding. Yeah. How'd you get on the horse riding? Nothing. She wouldn't tell you. She'll tell, her, she'll tell Emma. I just tell Emma. How'd she get on? Like, how'd she get on with her son? She loved it, Sean. It was fantastic. It was brilliant. She tells them everything. And I'm there going, like, I, like this is the truth. I go out and collect Amber on, uh, from school. Hi, how are you? Mm. How'd you get on today? Mm. Twins get in the back of the car. How'd you get on today? Really good, Dad. That was great. Had this blah, 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 blah. I said to Emma, she won't talk to me. No. I think it's because, like, if we're looking at this from, like, a Maggie and Amber, it's quite similar. I was always so scared that my dad wouldn't love me or he wouldn't judge me, depending on what I said, that I would mm. say the wrong thing. He, I right. couldn't yeah. tell you the moment that that ever happened. Mm. But it, and again, that's translated into all of my, uh, yeah. like, relationships with men. And that's yeah. something yeah. that I have to work on. You build a complete, like Amber's a child, but you build a complete life out of it. Yeah, like, like I was That's just saying. Like, like You build a fucking complete life out of, yeah, you're going to let me down. Knew you would. <laughs> like, fucking, like yeah, I, 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 a couple of months ago, I said to Emma, sure, no matter what I do, it's going to be a fucking failure. No matter what I do. Even Emma, like, like, I said it to him at one stage. Um, it's in a text. Like, I literally, I, I was getting fucking paranoid going, am I a shit fucking father? Like, am I a shit? Oh, I, no. I, was, I was there going, am I a shit fucking father? Like, am I fucking shit? And I, I texted him and I went, because you know the way, like, as a parent, you might not see it and you might be like, she's a cubby. And I texted him at one stage. I said, like, am I a, sh- like, am I a bad father? No. Fucking brilliant father, like really good father, Sean. Um, what did she text back? Like the cursing. She goes, You curse a lot, right? I'm never stopping that. But like there was none of it. Uh, you're fucking this or you're too violent, or you know, 
Cause like, and I text her months ago, going, "Fucking hell!" Like, like, they're going shit. I'm like, am I? And if she, if Emma said to me, "Yeah, Sean, you know, you need to cop on with this and this and this," I'd be like, "Good, sir. Thanks for telling me." She wrote back, "No, you're really, really good." And I wrote back, "You don't have to say this. Just tell me the fucking truth." Like, cause I was getting paranoid. Cause I was like, "Yeah, that's that's getting, what happens." Getting wrong with Amber? What the fuck am I getting wrong? Like, what am I not doing? And uh, she goes, no, no, that's just, look, that's you and Amber. You have your own little weird way, she says. It, it's just, she's just not confident about telling you stuff in case you hurt her. I was like. I- it's funny that you say that. So my first instinct when I got diagnosed was realizing I've been a complete ass to my mom in a lot of ways with like how things transpired with her and my dad mm-hmm. splitting up and then her leaving and me having to like parent my dad because of this whole alcohol, his whole alcoholism mm-hmm. thing. But it, this whole conversation is making me realize that I need to sit down and plan my apology conversation to my dad, mm-hmm. specifically around this whole, like, I don't set him up to like be successful. And I always assume he's going to fail me. And that's, that's really unfair. Yeah. <laughs> like I owe him a huge apology for that. Right. Okay. Just, this has been a good podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. You see, this is the, this is the whole point of talking really, isn't it? Like it's, it's. And this is what I love about it. It is a good chat. This is what I love. Because I believe you should lay in this podcast, you should lay it out. Um, and look, I know Amber at some stage is going to hear this. And, and of course, I love her to bits. And I hope at this stage when she is listening to it, that I have this mastered in a sense of that we have a really good relationship, father-daughter relationship, you know. I worry about Amber more than the other two kids. I worry about her. I genuinely, like, I said that to Emma one, at one stage. You know, who do you worry about the most? She goes, Amber. You know, she's, she's more emotional than the other two. Um, you know, she's like me. And I do, I do tell Amber that. You know, it kind of kills her. <laughs> it kills her that she's like, like, I'm not like you. My baby... Unfortunately, you are, and 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 I mean that. Okay, like it's okay to be like me. Like, I was really emotional too when I was a, a little boy. I couldn't control my emotions when when I I was really afraid. When I was a little kid too, I was really scared of stuff, and I was, you know, I used to hit out as well. Just like so, like even when Amber's lashing out, I understand that. I know. Do she- you ever do you ever worry that? like become hyper vigilant paying attention to her out of fear that like no matter what you do maybe she has traits that you recognize and that you don't want her going through the same pain that like you went through as an adult oh no i i, I if i'm being honest amber is gonna go through that yeah yeah that's uh like i knew this when she was two years of age uh, that, that's got to be hard i worry about my nieces all the time because I recognize things that I know that I did as a kid. And I try and talk to my sister, like, can you get them talking to a professional as soon as possible to like, like, like how can you mitigate it? And like, for me, I'm very much a control person, like, and I know I have to release some of it, but I can't imagine being a parent and seeing that. And just like you and I having this conversation, I was jokingly saying that I am Amber. Mm. Um, but like, I can't imagine that. My attitude is this, if I'm being honest, right. When I, I have to lead by example. One of the main reasons 
I don't lash out. Like, I have the capacity to lash out, hit, right? I can't. Because I'd be teaching Amber to do that. Yeah. You know, and that's not, it's not appropriate. And even at times I will say that, Amber, where did you learn this? Where did you learn to do that? I don't worry deeply, deeply, deeply. I, because I have to get it right as a parent. I have to be stable. Lead by example. Show Amber different coping techniques on how to manage her emotions. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I love this story. Amber opens up all the presses and slams them, which, you know, grandfather used to do that stuff. <laughs> I, and she goes, I'm sick of this house. There's nothing but good food in it. Yeah. Because in order to have proper mental health, you need proper good food. Mm-hmm. When Amber gets older, um. Yeah, I'm going to be teaching her how to manage it. Um, You know, I'm going running next week and Amber's going to come with me. She's going to come running with me. I'm going to teach her how to run. I think that's beautiful. I'm going to teach Amber how to harness all that rage that she has inside of her. I'm going to teach her how to use it. Like, when I say I'm a highly violent person, I don't have violence. I don't uh, like you. People that are around me would not be scared of me. But I just I know how to harness all that energy. And I think as a parent, I can teach Amber all this. I can teach Charlie how to be a gentleman, um, which I fucking hate, but I will. (laughs) No, it's good. There's too few gentlemen out there in the world. Yeah, I'm going to teach him how to be a gentleman. I'm going to teach Sadie how to be extremely black and white and love it. That's my role as a parent. But Amber, you know, I've thought about this today. Amber loves being outside. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go jogging with her. Um, Get her outside. Get her exercising. And then you're connecting in a way that she wants to connect with, like being outside, but also in a way that you're kind of helping her like early on so like it's almost like an early intervention like you recognize things and it's like okay like this could happen and hopefully with what you're doing like amber doesn't end up being maggie no i want i want to show amber the rawness of this mindset Mm -hmm. i i do believe she has it i want to show her how to master it and in order oh if you master it it's a superpower like there's some things that like i'm unstoppable and like once I get interpersonal effectiveness down, like I I think like I'll be a beast. My but there's other parts that I love. Like I love how extra I am. Like I just I, I everything is like a little bit bigger, and I like that. My mother's dying of cancer, and um, we don't know how she, how long she's left. And I haven't. I'm working. I'm coping. I'm yeah. crying. If I'm being honest. Um. I'm laughing, but I'm completely open. And it's an extremely difficult situation. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I'm completely bonded to my mother. Um, Like, really bonded to her, you know? And to watch someone that you love die, um, it's an extremely difficult, difficult time. And even that, at home, it's fine. 
you know, I called in the kids the other night and I sat them down and I said to them, look, you know, guys, daddy's a bit sad at the moment because, you know, Nanny Cherry is sick and uh, I didn't say she's dying, but I says, you know, and I says, Amber, and I understand that you are, you know, you're lashing out because I says, you know, you sometimes don't understand your emotions when things get really heavy with emotion. And I says, really, what you're doing is you're picking up on daddy's emotions. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and you don't know what to do with them now and so you're lashing out i understand that yeah i understand that charlie is clinging to me because he's feeling my emotions and sadie sadie's black and white sadie come over give you a hug and then go away she go yeah you're done good luck <laughs> done and i love it but i'm coping yeah, I'm coping through an extremely difficult time. You know, this morning I was chatting to my mother and I said, look, you know, we'll do these things for you and stuff like that. So I'm really productive as well in a sense of, you know, do you change, take out the bath and put in a shower so she can walk into it. But I mean, <clears throat> with Amber, with the kids, no, I, I have it down to. I need to be. Able to cope with life. And then that's what they can choose to learn from. Yeah. If I fall by the wayside, I'm then teaching them to fall by the wayside. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't gamble. I don't eat sweets. I take nothing as a get out of jail free card. Yep. Um, and that's how I live my life. I believe you should be able to control your mind completely and harness it that it works for you rather than You've been dragged around the place. And I've mastered that over the last couple of years. So much so, you know, even the different, like the last time when my father was dying, I couldn't work properly. Yeah. This time around, it's a breeze. Have I wanted to leave work and take a day off? Yeah. I haven't taken one day off. Uh, my stomach is extremely upset. Mm-hmm. Nervous. But I know it. It's yeah. like I'm, I'm, I acknowledge I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to the toilet quite a lot. I don't get too graphic, but I, I'm looking at all that going. Yeah, that's very much par for the course. This is what's going on. You're, you're in an extremely difficult emotional time. And this is the way it is. Yeah. And again, I, I even want my children to see that, too, that this is, this is life. You know. hey, again, it's about teaching your kids to be competent and mm. letting them see the kind of like the darker stuff that's out there mm. in the world and that not everything is sunshine and daisies. Like there is this mm. black and white, like you say, like for everything that's good, there's also something bad and that's just how the world operates. And yeah, like my son asked me one stage cause he's, he's five and they start talking about that. And I know that at this stage, even Amber, she's eight. I know this is her crucial year. Um, you know, why do people die? So they have to make room for, for babies. I like that. You know, they have to. You, 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 you get your life, you enjoy it, you work hard and you enjoy it as much as you can and then you have to make room for babies. And that's what I believe. I know that's not exactly it all the way, but I'm talking to a five-year-old. Um, yeah, and everyone has their own way of explaining things, but that kind of is what it is. Like there's a certain amount of, 
um, space or a certain number of people that are able to be there. And yeah, it's hard to explain that like your body physically starts breaking down at a cellular level. Like you can't explain that, but like for a five-year-old, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't do that. But I think no, that's no. a very like hmm. it's a good way of explaining it. Yeah, yeah. And like, look, are you gonna get it right as a parent? No. And trust me, like your love as a parent, it's it's an unusual love because the love I have for my children is about 20 times stronger than Emma. And I love them. They're part of you. They're part of you, though, and you're part of them. Yeah, well, it's, like, it's a different thing. Different. They're, they're one it's half different. you. Yeah, it's different. It's a different kind. It's a different um, outlook. But that's parenting. So, like, you've got something from this podcast, which is great because we didn't have a clue how it was going to go. Yeah, no, this was like very, very enlightening. Actually, hmm. um, I'm actually going to like do a spinoff episode from this. So, thank you um that that was like an emotional uh roller coaster for me particularly yeah, yeah. at the end i mean i literally had some blood sweat and tears have you any have you any other questions then uh right now no um i was gonna say i was just looking at the clock and i realized we've been talking for three hours and i really need to go to the bathroom <laughs> okay that's good okay yeah, and I'm going to go down because it's half ten. Um, we should do this again because I really enjoyed that. And I really want to know how you're going to get on with your dad. We'll do a follow-up. I'm committed to doing a follow-up. We should yeah. uh, schedule a follow-up for March. That gives me a, a month to kind of sit down and work through how I want to do that with my dad. Exactly. Because I do think that's important. I think I do need to have that conversation with him and I need to sit back and like lean into it. It was very interesting talking to a father um about their perspective of having a daughter who <laughs> sounds very much uh like me at that age and I had again it's very hard to put yourself into another person's shoes but particularly like it's very hard to put myself into the shoes of a, any parent let alone a father so I am very grateful for this conversation today very me very too. very grateful yeah because I didn't get to I got to listen to the old uh, the 31 or 32 year is it 31 32 I'm 31 now. I'm 32 in two weeks. Okay. Well, happy birthday then, because I won't be chatting to you until a month. But, Thank uh, you. Yeah, you get to chat to somebody who's like Amber in the future, uh, you know, in the future. And that's, this is what it's about. We're trying to figure it all out. You know? Yeah. I've learned something this evening and you've learned something this evening. And hopefully if people are listening, they'll learn something as well. Absolutely. And like I said, I'm going to do a whole episode now about like parents and perspectives, because I think that's really important, something that we don't check enough. And I think a lot of parents that listen to my podcast think that a lot of the interactions that happen are entirely their fault uh, when it comes to trying to relate to their family member who has BPD. And I just realized that, no, that is 100% not the case. And I think that's an important message to get out there. No, as I said to you, I could, I could offer my son crumbs and he would think I am God's gift. I could offer Amber a Ferrari and I got it wrong. And she'd want a Lamborghini. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Yeah. You see, and that's it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> just that. If I gave my son crumbs, he'd go, sure, I got crumbs off daddy. This is great. And he's wrong. I'm not saying he's right. 
he's completely wrong. His perception of me is way beyond what it should be. Yeah. You know, he thinks I'm a fucking superhero. Um, yeah. And I'm not. Amber thinks I'm an arsehole. And you're not. You're somewhere in between. And Look, in between. again, this is one of those black and white things. You say your world's black and white, but no, you just highlighted a gray. <laughs> you, you just go. highlighted a gray. Fucking new. Yeah, see, I'm after learning something too. But listen, I'm going to go down and I'm going to go to bed. And um, I was that was a brilliant. Uh, a I brilliant, love that. Yeah. So I love that. Thank you very much, Sean. Yeah, I you. loved that. Yeah.